It's the Black Swarm Podcast, baby. We're raw. And welcome to the week 14 edition of the Black Swarm Podcast. Hank Pipe here with Rob Antonell. Big win over Big Walnut. Um... I think the game was a lot closer than it should have been, but we can get into it right away. Um, Rob, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think in general it was a pretty ugly game. Um, I don't know, a lot of things that I think we want to fix, correct, moving forward, um, just be better at. I think in a sense we actually needed that. You know, we talked about how many, you know, easy opponents we've had in a row. So uh, I think it's good that we had, you know, something go wrong basically in a game for the first time in a while and uh it can really you know get our focus back in moving forward to you know it's gonna be all tougher games from here on out you know there's i mean the regional championships not a given so you know every game we uh we need to take it super serious yeah um i'll be honest i'll put my hand up and say i didn't really think anything of this team the way we took apart canal winchester um and they beat Big Walnut. I know the whole transitive property thing doesn't, you know, you don't get very far with that, but mm-hmm. you can still kind of gauge opponents that way, especially if it was a recent game. And I'm like, I, they got beat by this team that couldn't put up 100 yards on us. I was was not expecting anything of the sort of competition. And, you know, they come out right away, get a kickoff return for a touchdown, then we come out and it's like, okay, you know, like this might actually be a game. Have to take it seriously a little bit. And then we come out and worst thing possible, you know, first pass, uh, slaughter just loses his feet, ball sails on him, goes, goes short. Uh, you know, if he could have got that off, right. It was a touchdown walk in yep. touchdown for banks. Yep. But lost his footing and interception. And suddenly they're driving down and on our, you know, inside the five yard line. Pretty much worst case scenario for us going into that game. Um, but like you said, I think that's what the kids needed. Sometimes you need to be punched in the mouth and reminded of, you know, this isn't just some pushover team. It's week three of the playoffs. So definitely necessary. Um, I think special teams all night, it was kind of hit or miss um, after that first kick. You know, they didn't really do much else in the kickoff return game. Punting was kind of iffy. Um, Rob, when we were talking off air, you got some thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, in general, just kind of going back real quick, I mean, Big Walnut isn't a great team. I mean, they weren't. Right? So, I mean, every team is competitive if you let them be competitive, and I think that's kind of where we put them to start the game. You know, they get that big kickoff return. Uh, we hand them the first play, our offensive play. We give them the ball right back. Uh, I mean, I think they were better than Canal Winchester, better than Perry, but you know, mm-hmm. by no means were they a, a good team. Uh, so <clears throat> they did a good job of, 
you know, a lot of for- different formations, moving things around, trying to overload sides to, you know, and, you know, take yards where they can get them. They weren't breaking off huge plays for us. I think their quarterback made a couple decent plays that weren't expected from him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they weren't an amazing team. We gifted them those first nine points of the game. Right. And, uh, you know, going back to it, there was – I remember hearing – players on the sideline yelling and, you know, trying to get everybody motivated and um, somebody screaming that the team has no energy. And it looked like they had no energy. It's like they didn't want to play that game. They just went out there thinking, oh, well, you know, well, we they, they lost to Canal Winchester and we beat Canal Winchester when we gave up 60 yards. And even when we're down 9 nothing, I mean, I wasn't, like, concerned at that point. I was, like, mad that it happened. Yeah. But I was like, all right, whatever. You know, we'll come back from nine points. That's You know, it's not the end of the world. But even at then, like, they're still lax down there, and players are yelling, like, you know, get up, get ready, get, you know, get going. And it just seemed like they didn't have that energy to start with. Uh, yeah, special teams, I, I felt like <clears throat> it wasn't a great performance on their part. I think throughout the year we've had a lot of issues with special teams in general. Uh, we have issues where we're missing players out on the field. We had a kickoff last week while we were missing a guy. I mean, we ended up getting him on there for the play, but we're searching for a guy for kickoff. Yeah. Um, you know, why Why don't we have 11 guys out there? Uh, why does a kid not know he's supposed to be out there? Was he a backup originally, and so he's not used to it, and maybe the starter in front of him was out? Or, you know, is he the normal starter, and he should have been out there no matter what? Uh, I mean, I always reference, I really liked it a couple years ago when we had, for every kickoff, we had the starting unit. And the backup unit out on the field. Because at any point in time, if you can't find a kid, if somebody's hurt and you don't know it, um, if somebody's just really gassed and they need to come out, you have your reserve right there to go in for them. And if nothing else, it keeps everybody focused, I think. Because now you have those 11 guys that are going out there, and you also have six, seven other guys that need to pay attention, need to stay in the, stay in the game, go out there and be ready. And I really liked when we used to do that because it just seemed like we were prepared. Now, throughout the year, we're missing players, and I, I don't like that. Um, early in the year, it happened a few times. I know in the Glen Oak game, I got really mad about it because we're trying to run a guy on for an extra point or field goal, mm-hmm. and he's on the other side of the field, essentially. He's running down there, and, I mean, one of the coaches sees him running on the field and is like, all right, you know, hurry up, you know, hurry up, get out there. We snap the ball while he's still running out on the field. And it's like, you know, just like little things where, I mean, first off, we have to have personnel out there. you got to have 11 guys on the field. Yeah. You have to, right? And then after that, it's like, let's recognize that we're missing something and correct it. Um, I mean, I'm go- I know I'm going all the way back to Glen Oak for that, but just small things like that. We had a punt last week where we had to call a timeout because we didn't have a guy on the field. So, you know, we're just not having the right person on the field or at least 11 people. You know, you could be, it could be the wrong guy, but like let's have 11 people in the right spots, right? Mm. Throw a backup in there, you know, have the backups ready to go. Uh, so I think we burn a timeout on that. Obviously giving up the kickoff was huge. You know, letting somebody go untouched for a, a touchdown. That's, it's not a great play. So, I mean, we've been able to overcome it. You know, it's not like it's been happening all year. You know, it happened last week. It happened against Ed's. Um, kind of same spot of the field of where they returned it, but just went untouched. Pretty much. Um, you know, I 
I, I feel like when we do our kickoffs, we're aiming one side or the other, right? We don't really want it yeah. down the middle. Yeah, you want it in that box. But it doesn't seem like our coverage team is fanning the way we're kicking it. So it seemed like that guy hit a crease and went right between two or three people and was gone. And the other eight people like weren't even part of the play because, you know, they are, are we squeezing towards the ball? Are we cutting down the lanes? Are we going to make them go all the way across the field if they want to get outside of our leverage? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... I'm going to be over critical this week. That's just what I'm going to do. That's my mindset going <laughs> you? into it. Never. I'm going to be over critical and people can be mad at me about it, but like you're going to lose a game because of these little things. Yeah. It's we're not playing the the scum anymore. We're a regional championship, right? This is where we lost last year. Then final four, who knows if it's going to be Hoban or, you know, kings out of cincinnati or whatever or doubtful but toledo central cat you know you're gonna be playing a good team next week even if you don't mm-hmm. respect lake it's regional championship they've only lost one game they lost one game i mean we didn't respect green last year when they lost right uh, as fans yeah i didn't respect green last year and we lost so like maybe fans need to look at it as a regional championship and not who the actual opponent is but from here on out, like it's going to get tougher and tougher and tougher. And as we said last week, you're taking every single game and using that to better yourself for the next week. So it's time to, you know, we, we need to tighten things up. We need to have 11 guys on the field. We need to not give up long returns, which it was only the one. is the first of the game. But do that. Do it's, that in week 15 and see what happens. And it's also not the first time it's happened either this year. Gift somebody points and expect to come back and win. It just It's little things. Don't burn timeouts because you don't have guys on the field. Mm-hmm. Where's your personnel? Um, punting consistency. Our kicking consistency. You know, Are we able to kick it into the end zone every time? Do we want to kick it in the end zone every time? If we are putting it down one of the sidelines, are we doing it consistently? Our punts, are we getting punts off consistently? Like, Are they decent punts? Are we downing punts consistently? I mean, these are the little things that you, in order to beat a great team, you have to do that. When we beat Hoban, it was 100% because of our punt, our punting <laughs> Yeah, punting unit. won us that game. Punting beat Hoban. That was the game. Our punting unit beat their punting unit. That was it. That's how we won. And it's the little things, like, you never know when that's going to happen. You need to be able to win every phase of the game. You can't gift yards. You can't gift points. So... As we face tougher teams, we got to tighten it up and be better. There's about five things I want to like expound on off of what you just said. Go for it. I think I'll just start off by saying for anybody like, oh, Funning didn't beat Hoban. It was you know the yes, defense or the offense. It was they were not putting they were not stringing together drives on our defense. That's a given. And we our punting unit was backing them up field position wise like five, three, eight. Eight yards a punt. They were, like, starting off a little bit farther Well, back. that second half was just us punting to them, then punting to us. Us punting to them, then punting to us. And, and that's each I mean. time, we kept we, moving them back. Yeah. Each time, like, the starting field position for them was, like, just a little bit more backed up. And then they finally started to put together that last drive, but our defense bucked up and did what they do. And, really, it was the punting unit that made them have to drive down the field like that and obviously not convert on that fourth and five. We get it. The blitz, you know, sealed that uh, offensive series. Converting on the first down was the go-ahead to win it. But the overarching thing that won that game was the punting in the second half. 
And, yeah, like you said, if you want to beat the great teams, if you want to be a great team, special teams has to be great. And that's the measuring stick we're using it with right now. You know, it's been fine. It's been good at some parts. It, it, there's been some stretches where it has been great. I'm not, we're not sitting here and saying it's just bad. But it's not, it's not measuring up to what we expect it to be if our goal is a state championship currently. Uh, and kind of on that note, saying, you know, Big Walnut isn't a good team isn't saying they're a bad team either. They were a perfectly average team. They did a lot of stuff yeah. well, just not enough of it to be great. They were just a they were a decent team that probably outkicked their coverage a bit as to where they, you know, ended in the playoffs, but they did some cool stuff, had some good players. Uh they quarterback just, made a few plays that I didn't expect him to make. Yeah. Uh the running back was a decent player. He ended up breaking one, I think, against us. So I mean, it was nothing out of the ordinary, but they just weren't a great team. We gifted them those mm-hmm. nine points for sure. You take away those nine points, and that's probably like where the actual score differential should have been somewhere in that ballpark. So, yeah, you know what they we gave them seven points, and then they earned that next three. Our defense finally just. You get a feel for it, you know, on that very first drive, the actual first drive that they had. It takes a little bit. I still say if an offensive personnel shifts, defense should be allowed in the neutral zone if they get back before the ball snapped. I think that's bullshit that you can throw an encroachment mm, flag yeah. when an offensive lineman shifts because the defensive lineman is playing off of his movement. Yeah, well, the the trick, the gray area about that is it's a shift. Yeah. You know, it's like if you bring a receiver in motion, you can't just jump it. No, but during a shift, the ball cannot be snapped. So, I, this is a, I'm dying on this. I think hill. it just depends on, you know, define encroachment. You know, like jumping across the line, there's already a gray area if they let you get back or not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think if you just kind of jump, I and mean, we, we see that all the time. Teams jump against us and get back, and it's no penalty. Yeah. Uh, I think there should be probably a longer leash if a team is doing a shift right in front of your defense lineman. So I, I agree with you on it. Or at least, you know, the leniency should be there for it. Right. right. I mean, obviously, as a defensive lineman, you have to be disciplined. You have to watch the ball. But the great D linemen, their get-off is so good because they're watching the guy in front of them, not necessarily, like, keeping an eye on the ball. So I think if an offensive lineman is shifting, and that's something we haven't seen before yeah. this year, that's – I don't remember if we even saw it last year like at all i was waiting for them to go to like a tackle eligible play or something and they never did so i don't even think they ever ran away from the i think they went towards the unbalanced side every single time yeah they just took the numbers and here's two three four yards and that was their game so it wouldn't be okay i see what you're saying they were moving the tackle and, and keeping they would the eligible the, tight they would end leave the tight end backside but he's yeah. he's a right tackle at that point yeah so by formation in tackle high, eligible because in high school ball if you're wearing an ineligible number you can never declare yourself an eligible yeah. receiver so um yeah they never did that they just taking the numbers kind of playing off you know a lack of an adjustment to a shift that we hadn't seen before yeah i mean i think we gave it i, I think we respected it the way you, you probably should yeah and they just never did anything off of it that i mean we could have overloaded that 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they, it's not like they're taking. Well, they weren't. I, they weren't taking seven, eight yards a run either, so it didn't matter. But they probably never played off of it because we never did overload that side. Yeah, it's you have the play. It, it's like the following play for that whatever series would be. Yeah, is okay. Defense is like rolling heavy this way. All they have is a corner backside. Yeah, let's attack the backside now. I'm sure they had something in the playbook, but yeah, we I just never gave it to them. I would have liked to like hear what our coaches had to say about their tendencies. Because I know they were like they were swapping their guards around. Um, I they, noticed that when I was collecting film today, yeah. uh, I noticed that they. I'm like looking at oh look at this little number under like number sixty two this little undersized white boy oh player after my own heart. Wait, why is he the right guard now? Oh yeah. my god, they flipped their guys. Yeah, they would swap their guard. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know how often they're doing it, but I noticed it. They would switch them like even you know like a check with me like switch yeah. into a formation. Uh, that big left tackle, he's always the one that got brought over. Obviously, mm-hmm. they like him as just a downhill run blocker. But, you know, they would always bring him. He was the one. They never shifted their right tackle over. It was yeah. always the left tackle that ended up being the extra guy. But they would swap their guards around. And I'm just curious, like, what kind of tendencies they are giving off with that. Because I imagine you're not swapping your lineman unless there's a reason for it. So, Again, One of them you like either pulling or yeah. down, you know. So. My senior year, um, when Coach B came, his first year as OC, we did play that where he had a strong side yeah. and a quick side is what we called it. Mm-hmm. And the strong side would either be like the point of attack for an inside zone, kind of a double team type deal, um, or the down blocks on power, counter, that kind of thing. And your backside, your quick side is going to be your pulling guys. Obviously, you do give off tendencies with that. And, mm-hmm. You know, you see – like oh the quick side is your is my left guard now it's probably going to be power right or something like that yeah um, i i think and that's when we played fitch week 5 or 6 where they had billy price mm-hmm. uh yeah we threw all that shit out the window and then just pretty much ran against every tendency we had yeah i uh like with yours you had a strong side and a quick side but I feel like because you don't see teams moving their linemen like ever, so when you see their two guards swap sides real quick mm-hmm. you know, with a check with me thing, it's like all right, well, what does that mean? Like, yeah, I'd like to see what the tendencies were. Like, oh well, you know, sixty-two was always the pulling guard, or whatever. They always ran away from him. Like, so I think uh, it didn't seem like they were balancing their tendencies just based off of the one their unbalanced look. Mm-hmm. But like you said, we weren't really changing how we played it defensively, so we never... It wasn't noticeable, like it wasn't motion, and then we roll cover three, or the yeah, entire It wasn't line a huge change. If, I'm yeah, sure there were so, like little yeah. subtle adjustments in there. There's got to be. It didn't, make, it, yeah, would... it didn't make sense for them to go away from it, I guess. I mean, maybe a tendency breaker, one or two, but like I said, they're just taking their two, three yards at a... And yeah. It's what their game plan was. So, But I imagine when they swap their guards, that they're not doing that in like 50 50ing what their play call is. I no. assume that was a pretty giving up their hand when they did it, but who I mean, knows? That's something, yeah, you are showing your hand, but you're doing it because those guys are really good at it. Yeah. So you're just, at that point, you're almost betting on my guy has done this more times than your guy has defended it. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Let's uh, see how it rolls out. Unfortunately, they probably never played a front seven like Maslin has, so it is what it is. Um, overall, I mean, they did a lot of wacky shit, though. Yeah. You're talking about, 
I think they went under center like five, six, seven times before they even just ran, handed the ball off to the running back out of that look. They would go for it for like a jet sweep, jet fake, play action. Um, they had a lot, I think like two or three or four nice little play action plays where they had guys come out in the flats and the quarterback just missed them entirely. Yeah. Um, he did miss a few. I don't know how much that was to the weather there because, unfortunately, as a quick aside, I had to watch his game on BoxCast, which went out for the first couple of drives. I saw the, So I saw the kickoff return. I saw their drive march down the field. I saw us get the ball back. Everything went to shit, and then I saw us score our first touchdown. Yeah, the stream um, was absolutely horrible. I didn't yes. watch it because I was there, but... It was very well known that the stream was bad for everyone. Because, like, Youngstown, where our base is, my, the cell signal is uh, iffy at best, and our Wi-Fi is even iffier. You know, you would think the Chair Force would have better internet, but it's uh, no bueno. So I'm like, oh, shit, is this just my Wi-Fi? I can't pick this up. And I hop on Facebook real quick and look, and it's like, oh, no, it's the stream it's itself. It's a horrible stream, yeah. And then I'm sitting there having an existential crisis, like, why didn't I go to the game? You know, it, it's – you can't – there's a lot of little shit that you pick up watching a game live that you can't. So when, you know, we were down 9 nothing, I, I had a lot bigger alarm bells going off than you did, apparently. I'm like, oh, shit, don't tell me this is another green game here. Um. But I was going some... Oh, yeah, so the announcers mentioned the wind all of one time. Yeah. No frame of reference for any sort of weather. So I couldn't really tell that there was any sort of, you know, fucking jet stream going on. So would you care to explain that for those of us that weren't there and didn't know and why Slaughter airmailed a couple passes that... You normally don't see him make, because I'm sitting there watching this, like, he never overthrows kids like this. Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, so there was a very strong wind um, exactly left to right for the Maslin sideline. Uh, so it was going due east, and the stadium, that's how it's oriented. Uh, so two quarters of the game, you're going into the wind. Two quarters of the game, you're going with the wind at your back. And the ones where Slaughter was missing far uh the wind was at his back and it was a pretty strong wind and i mean it was fairly consistent throughout the game but it, it was a strong wind it didn't seem to affect the short passes very much um it wasn't like huge gusts it was just kind of like one steady stream of wind going across the field uh so i mean i don't think their quarterback missed some of those short throws because of the wind or the weather everything else seemed fine I know, like, Slaughter slipped the first play of the game. The field might have been a little wet. It was raining all day yeah, in, up until the game, but it wasn't raining during the game. But, yeah, just a really strong wind, um, which was kind of like somebody mentioned that our very first kickoff of the game, we were kicking with the wind at our back, and we did a, short, a shorter pooch kick, mm -hmm. which got returned for a touchdown. And people were saying, you know, you got the wind to your back right now. It's a perfect time to just kick it into the end zone. Um, you didn't see it play as big of a game in the kicking aspect 
just because I don't think either team was super consistent kicking it to where you would notice which way the wind's blowing. Yeah. Um, you know, you had somebody shanking it into the wind. You had somebody shanking it with the wind. So you you never really got a great feel for it that way, which is probably another reason why if you're watching it on the stream, you can't tell. But I remember in that fourth quarter, uh, I think you texted us like, oh, you know, we finally hit one. Yeah. And I was like, well, Hank, you realize there's a 40-mile-per-hour <laughs> jet stream of air carrying the ball. He goes, what? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah I, I had no idea. Yeah, so I, I remember one time, after the second one, Slaughter misses deep and just looks over the sideline like, what the? It's like, yeah, that wind is going. <laughs> so uh, there was definitely wind like, affecting the plays. Well, but, like the ball just gets a certain elevation. It's like Mario Kart. hits a little Yeah, it just badge. took <laughs> off. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. If you if you like drew the arc of the ball on a on a piece of paper, it's not a natural curve. It it <laughs> runs parallel for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> so the wind was a factor. I don't think it really came into play too much. Of course, the couple of deep throws, but it seemed like the shorter stuff we were throwing was just fine. Um, and it may have changed how we tried to punt. Because of the wind, you may have tried to change how you're punting, but the actual result, you never really, you never saw one get caught in the air, and you never saw one take off because of the air either. So uh, I can understand why, if you're just watching it on the stream, you might not have been able to notice. Yeah. But yeah, that American flag was just pointed <laughs> due east, you know. Just full mast. Yeah, it was standing up straighter than the one point on the moon. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it was it was a pretty decent win. <laughs> okay, but I don't think that's why their quarterback missed some of their shorter throws. I yeah. think he just wasn't super consistent in general, and he had a little pressure on him, so he rushed a few of those shorter throws. Especially the one they're like going in to score, had a guy wide open mm-hmm. and just flat out missed it because he had a guy in his face. And what I loved about that was, uh, I forget who it was. I think it was two different players. They just went right after him. You know, they may have felt somebody leak behind them. Yeah. And at that point, what? just go get the quarterback, right? I don't know. I Every now and then, and it depends. You know, defensive end isn't going to do it the same as, like, the OB or Sam might do it. But you have those players that are, like, hesitant. Like, I don't know if I should go get the quarterback. I don't know if I'm supposed to drop. Which one? Yeah. What do I do? The, and and this, then they're just in no man's land doing nothing. And it does one. nothing. Yeah. In this case, they just attacked the guy that was right in front of him. Quarterback has an errant throw. And uh, he misses it, which would have been a walk-in touchdown. Okay. Um, also, they had that, was it a two-point conversion or just a goal-line play? They brought the guy, jet motion, just a full sprint. Like, you know what he's doing. Yeah. He's either running to the outside for a pass or is a distraction. Nobody runs that fast on a motion. Right. And that's what it was. They, they sent him out to the flats right away. Yeah. Uh, wide open, they missed him. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, the quarterback definitely wasn't a super consistent thrower, but he made a few plays that surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was, you know, pretty decent high school quarterback when he was on mm-hmm. it. When he was off of it, you know, missing one, two, three guys wide open in the flats, that's a killer right there. Yeah. Um, but, hey, I'll take those. And like you said, if that if that guy in the flats, you know, the defender's responsibility, he drops off, didn't feel him or whatever – Hey, kid, if you're going to be wrong, be wrong violently. That's all you got to be. Yeah, don't hang out in the middle. No. Um, can we talk about the refs? Yes. Because they were 
a g- 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 god awful. They were bad, even through the stream. Like, I, pretty bad. First thing I want to touch on is when we got the interception, mm-hmm. and at one point we had both defender, both defenses out on the field. Yep. Because you know they throw it and we get we pick it off and they throw the flag right down where the quarterback was. You're thinking like, oh, roughing the passer, it's going to come back, whatever. And then they announce unsportsmanlike or unnecessary roughness, was it? One of those, yeah. And then suddenly we have two defenses looking at each other that trying to figure out how to line up. Yeah, that was a pretty bad sequence. In general, the refs were bad. Um, They probably could have helped the situation by announcing what was happening a little bit better. Mm Mm-hmm. At first, they threw the flag, and we all just didn't like the flag to begin with, right? The quarterback got blocked after he threw the interception. I mean, he took a, a strong two-handed shove to the chest and fell, but, I mean, it, it was a block. He's a defender at that point. You can block him. And that's the argument we are making, but, you know, you're not going to get him to pick the flag back up. Yeah. Nonetheless, we're all mad because we see our defense come off, or our offense, defense stays on the field. And, you know, we're complaining. In general, the refs took too long to do most of their calls anyway. They're discussing it. I will say, watching the box cast, at no point did I know for sure whose ball it was. Okay, so from the box box cast perspective, that may be true. From the fans' perspective, we're yelling because it should be mass on ball. It's like, ah, oh, dead ball after, you know, mm-hmm. after the play, whatever. Like, that's still mass on ball. Walk it off, give us the ball. And then the ref signals, like, yeah, Masson Ball. He does, like, three or four times, like, Masson Ball, because I think he, like, could sense everybody's complaining and Maslin has their defense on the field. So he's like, hey, Masson Ball. Yeah. So we went from yelling as fans that it should be our ball to, hey, coaches, it is our ball. And both defenses were on the field. And somehow during that commotion, we got another sideline warning. <laughs> during the like, – <laughs> During an intermission of play, we got a sideline warning. Which so isn't up, a thing, I don't think. I mean, there's probably some role technically somewhere, like how many people you can have on the field or whatever. or Whatever. Point is, no one knew we had the ball. And that was like kind of another one of my issues was it just seemed like there was a lack of communication. I know Coach Moore was just furious with that side judge and he was spending most of this quarter just yelling at the side judge as he should have been as he should that's perfectly fine i have no issue with it with that somebody else has to notice whose ball is it we have our whole defense out there like ready to get lined up and there's three thousand masculine fans yelling it's our ball and then they finally figured it out and we got a flag for side on <laughs> sideline warning and then we got our offense back out there but it's like we somebody has to notice that yeah. right and then so it was, that was following that was following that was the next one was trails long run for a touchdown which also had a sideline warning and there is a penalty which they yeah they finally said sideline warning after like five minutes yeah they never really said what it was so but, and, that was another issue. They didn't communicate what it was, so we don't know. Like, is it a hold? Is it yeah. whatever? I couldn't even see the flag because it was right there on the sideline. But the box cast camera—it's it, a one-camera operation for them, apparently. Mm-hmm. It, they didn't even know where to look. It's like they're—you know—they follow it. You follow the touchdown down, see him score, and then you're watching everybody start to go out for PAT, and then 
they're walk. There's one ref walking it back, so the camera starts following him, and then it just goes back to guys down on the other side of the field. Like, what the hell even happened there? Yeah, so, I mean, we break off a long run. Uh, apparently, the ref threw a flag for sideline warning again. And I don't know where it was because I, I never saw the flag. I think it was somewhere around midfield, maybe like the negative 40, somewhere right in that area, if I had to guess. Um, I never saw it, but that's where they're like kind of arguing. We go down and score. They signal a touchdown. Some of the refs like kind of start walking back because there's a flag. The one sideline judge does walk back because he has to go get, you know, his ears ripped off by Nate, justifiably. As he's he like, should. He's like, this This is our fourth sideline warning. Like, we have all of our kids pushed back. I'm the only one even close to the sideline, and I didn't come close to you, so I don't know what you're throwing this flag at. That's the only thing I can imagine he's saying, but yeah. more colorfully. Um, because, like, I, I just can't imagine how we would have gotten a sideline warning there. But whatever. So he's yelling at the ref about that. And then the other refs are, like, signaling to us, like, it's a touchdown. Like, it's still a touchdown. And, like, we're trying to confirm with them, like, hold on, wait, no, it's a touchdown? Like, yes, it is a touchdown. And then eventually Coach Robinson sees it, and he goes up to Nate, who's still arguing with the ref. And he's like, it's a touchdown. Like, are we going for one, going for two? What? Uh, oh, we're going for one. So then we send our PAT unit out there. But it's just another one of those, like, and they never really, again, they never really communicated it. Like, they were doing signals. So, like, if you were watching the field, you know, out of the how many thousands of fans were there, like, a percentage of them are going to notice that kind of stuff. Not everybody, of course. But uh, you have that many eyes on the field. Somebody's going to see them signaling. I just happen to be one of the ones. Because I'm looking at the other refs because I'm like, what, what's going on? And they're like, yeah, touchdown. So then we finally get our PAT unit out there and we, we kick. But, you know, just an absolute mess. They never announced, you know, sideline warning, five yards, touchdown is good. Yeah. No, they never It said will anything. be enforced at the kick or, like, they never announced what it was, really. So uh, we had to kind of figure it out on ourselves. And I think that's part of it is they could have just – they could have done a better job of announcing it. Um, but they didn't. I guess they technically did their job. They signaled what things were, but communication wasn't great. Um, you know, that's probably some small-time referee crew, mm-hmm. to be honest. It, it may have been, like, patched together small-time. You know, it could have been five different. I don't know how many refs there were. Five different, six different refs that have never worked together this year, and they're they all separately do D5 games all year, for all I know. <laughs> And it's their first time working together, first time d- doing a bigger game. Uh, but in general, yeah, the refs were no bueno. Be- besides all of that, you know, they missed a few calls. They yeah. called a bunch of extra calls. So, Oh, I got one in the highlight reel where I – because I'm watching on my phone. I thought to, like, okay, I can rewind this, go back. At one point, they had one receiver up on the line. Yep. Other kid outside of him comes up onto the line. Kid inside sees it, so he steps off. But before he stepped off, the outside guy saw he was on the line, so he steps off too. Then they snap the ball. Both receivers are off the line. Only have six guys on the line. So it should be an illegal formation. Yeah. They run that jet pitch back to the quarterback, bomb to the end zone, yep. and the flag gets thrown, ends up being pass interference. Mm-hmm. 
if that was a patchwork crew, which is supposed to be like the best guys for whatever, yeah, uh, I think they need to like review and revise the criteria for what's <laughs> the best crew because, whew, like, like you said, it wasn't great. Uh, no yeah, way. I mean that sideline judge, the one that kept calling like four sideline interferences, I think sideline warnings. Um, he would have been the one that would have called that illegal formation. I saw it live like you did, uh, just cause I saw the receivers kind of bouncing back and forth. And then I think they were both off and we had coaches right there on the sideline yelling at the ref because like they saw the same thing we did. Like both the receivers just stepped off and they snapped the ball. That's legal. Like throw the flag. And he didn't. Um, I mean, he could have been a crew chief all year. He might not have. He may not have done a, been a sideline judge in five years, for all we know. So that's kind of the issue you get in the playoffs: is you apparently get the best refs, but you don't get them in the position they've been doing all year. Maybe that's the first time he's done. Like, who knows? I mean, he wasn't good. No, that's for sure. But I mean, I'd like to maybe give him the benefit of the doubt and the OHSA uh, a crack. At the same time, that you know, he, he was put in a bad spot because of their dumb policy of no, how they do it. Never given Zebras the benefit of the doubt. All right. Well, he's been doing that all year, and the OHSA sucks at grading their officials. They both suck. I'm gonna take a stand here. Is that fine? Yeah, that's good. I'm gonna take a stand here. This is not this is not an original take for me. I saw this on Twitter, and I am fully supportive of this. Referees need to wear their home addresses on the back of their uniform. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, you might have a little more incentive to do your goddamn job that way. Yeah, that's, uh, they weren't good. We didn't help, but it wasn't good. At least like a phone number. <laughs> Something. Hometown. Yeah. Get, uh, let, listen, if you're that bad, we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, But other than that, away from the referees... And away from all the other bullshit of the game. Um, you know, Maslin, we got punched in the mouth, and I thought we came back and did a pretty good job of... Uh, I mean, at one point, we rattled off a 99-yard touchdown drive. I think we just ran the ball down their throats the entire way, too. So, you know, we showed flashes of what we needed to be. Um, let me see here. Any other... Our defense was almost screen-proof the entire night. Yes. You know, the first two that they tried to run, there was players there, like, pretty much tackling them as they caught the ball. Mm -hmm. At one point, I saw one live. It was like they tried to run a – they shifted to empty and ran a tunnel screen, and Big Mike was just right there, just bear-hugged the dude, took him down. It was just – Big Mike jumped one. uh, Cody Fair jumped one. Yes. And on top of those, I think our corners jumped – their outside screens really well also yeah we have those in the highlight tape we can take a look at them but we're we played the screen very well um coming out of halftime they were running like a five-man front against us and first play out of it out of half that we ran was just pretty much iso so you get your five guys blocked handled by the offensive line you get your fullback our tight end up on the linebacker and we busted it off for like, I think it was like a 60-yard carry that ended up getting called back for a hold by a receiver. But little stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. very encouraging that, you know, 
hey, this is what they're doing. We have a tool in the toolbox to beat what they're doing. We went back to it a couple times. They played it a little bit better, but that's just one of those things you like to see. Uh, we ran a little bit of a, had a new play action protection, like a kind of a counter action, motion the fullback to hide his cheating alignment more towards where he needs to go. Usually when we go like heavy play action, it's your fullback and like, you know, the wing right off the tackle. And then he's just blocking the end. You running back carries out his fake, then checks, make sure the fullback's got that locked up then looks for any other work. This time it was fullback was on the opposite side, same side as a running back. And they both go across the formation and take on that end. And that just sucked up the linebackers, man. Like I'm actually mad. I didn't think of it in the moment to go back and record it, but it w- we ran on the first play and a couple other plays, but you watch those linebackers. They all get sucked up right to the line of scrimmage and everything behind it is just wide the hell open. So just little stuff like that. Um, love to see it. Other than that, don't have much more comments on the game. Robbie got anything else? Yeah. I think as bad as the refs were, I think we had too many penalties also. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think a few of them may have been tic-tac, but, you know, again, let's try to clean it up. Yeah. Um, I think offense did well. Defense did well also. Uh, you just kind of take away take away that uh, opening kickoff, take away their garbage time touchdown, mm-hmm. and I, I think it was all right. You know, Slaughter slipped on that one play, the very first play that would have been a touchdown. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just slipped, fell right on his face. So it happens. Outside of that, I, I think I mean, we ran for, I don't know what our final stat was, but I think Trell had like 210, 214 or something. Let's see here. I, could probably um, I know Pringle had a couple really big runs for us. He's he's a beast. Oh, he did. They weren't big, like chunk yardage plays, but they were Crucial. like. Crucial. Yes. High leverage situations, you know, third and short, fourth and short. Fourth and ones, yeah. What are you going to do? Hand it to Pringle, and that man just carries piles. Yeah. Uh, there was there was a time where it was third and one, and we have a mishap in the backfield where Slaughter and Trell weren't on the same page. Slaughter runs it, gets stuffed, mm-hmm. ends up being fourth and one, and you just see all of our linemen out there like waving off the punt <laughs> unit. Like, no, we're not punting it. We're going for it right here. And uh, we decided to punt. Which is fine. If you looked at the scoreboard and the situation, I'm fine with punting. I also would 100% been fine with calling off the punt unit. It's like, hey, Mm -hmm. if our linemen want to go, let's go. But situationally, we had the win at our back also. Uh, My issue with it is that, if I recall correctly, we we had a bad punt. So it kind of like, yeah, I could have went for it. <laughs> you know, it's one of those where it's like, well, damn. You yeah. know, I just that, that's one of those hindsight tells you the. Right Hopefully, decision. I didn't hurt my lineman's feelings right now. <laughs> yeah, but we have the win at our back. We have a two possession game or something like. Let's use the win. Let's pin them deep. We didn't, mm-hmm. so it was like, ah, oh, damn. You know, hindsight. But uh, it was nice to see our lineman like wanting to go for it, though. I like that aspect. Yeah, of it. that. That group mentality, that aggressiveness, that tenacity. Tenacity. That you love to see from them. Um, just trying to pull the old, you know, Peyton Manning with the Colts back in the day when he was the offensive coordinator, honest and truly. Like, they're trying to send the punt team out, and he's just giving them the bird, waving them off. Like, no, we're going for it here. Yeah. Um, 
He's the offense coordinator for the Broncos as well. Yeah, that too. Uh, I looked it up. Terrell finished the night with 210 yards. 210, yeah. You know, nice nice little quiet night from Terrell. Um, but, yeah, I did want to talk about that uh, that miscommunication on the run play. It, You know, I always watch starting with the line of when the ball snapped. And it looked like they were running power left. Terrell was lined up on the right. And you can't really tell which, like, pre-snap because we do run with Trell the same side or opposite side. So you can't really, like, say who was wrong just based on that. Um, I'm going to give our three-year starting running back the benefit of the doubt over the sophomore quarterback. But then again, Lefty has handed off on power more than he, much more than he's passed this year. So even if Trell aligned wrong, I'm still going to put that on Slaughter because as a quarterback, you know, you need to know, like, oh, where are my 11 guys at? I need to know where my – like, it's kind of on him to, if somebody's misaligned, to get them where they need to be. Mm-hmm. So it's just pretty much the theme of most of this conversation is it's a learning experience. Get these little bugaboos out now. Yeah. I mean, they only happen once, and it's not something that I really remember happening all year. So, you know, it happens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, yes, the general theme is let's clean it up. But, you know, one time is it happens. And there were a couple of run plays where NO1 was like an inside zone where it was obvious, like an obvious read. We had another one, a power run, which we never really like read on that. But Slaughter kept it himself, himself booted out, gained like three, four yards on it. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see that you know he can be involved in the run game a little bit. You're not going to use him mm-hmm. as a guy to, you know, he's not going to burn you with his legs. Yep. Not to say he's not an athlete or anything, just that he's not your best runner. But that is, again, another tool in the toolbox that mm-hmm. when the defense wants to overload the box, you can quote-unquote block that extra guy with a read yeah there was i remember like earlier in the game i i just felt like they were crashing really hard i'm like man matter of time until we read that right Mm -hmm. i mean we don't see like we don't do that very often but i was like you know if we could read that like they're really coming down hard on that and then we did and i don't know if it was the first time or the second time that it happened but one of the times he got stuffed yeah and you know, people around me were like, well, that's why we don't run him. That's why we don't do reads. And I was like, no, I, I think he read that perfectly fine. They just ended up bringing an extra guy. I don't know if I don't know if it was a linebacker that scraped off the edge or if a safety came down, but he read it right. And then, ah, uh, crap, there's another guy. But that's that's all that's helps us because if a team is going to designate a guy to do that, mm-hmm. you know, if they're accounting for the read accidentally or not, like that's we want them to have to account for both. So yeah. just the thought that he could read it to keep a defense honest, you know, going back into last week's theme, but if you keep a defense honest, don't let them key on things. Damn right. So just a quick on that, the way you can defeat a read without, you know, changing any sort of numbers in the box of the defense. Do they wrap the linebacker out, yeah. crash the end, wrap Pretty outside. Much. When you're drawing, so up, that's specifically a read run defense. I don't know if that's something you're going to call, but you know, if you're drawing it up on the board, you're counting on that linebacker to fill in 
in his normal run gap um, to defeat, and that, and you're reading him if he wants to stay outside or mm-hmm. crash hard inside. A way you can defeat that easy is you have the end crash hard inside, and then that backside linebacker will slow play the run, see where the ball's going, and if the quarterback has it, yeah, he'll scrape over the top to that empty spot where the running where the quarterback's trying to hit. Okay. And I remember the player talking about that's I, you know, went back and watched it a couple times, rewound it in the moment, and saw it, and that is exactly what happened. That that will slow played it, scrape back across. Way to defeat that is you can just add an extra blocker there. You know, if you have a backside fullback, we would normally just have him kick the end, not even read him, hand it off on inside zone. Well, you can have him arc around the end, and then quarterback pulls it on the read, and then just take out that backer. Yeah. You know, it's a cat and mouse game. There's answers to it, I'm sure, that if it's that's going to be something in our offense going forward, then that's the read aspect, then that's something we can add to work on, layer off of, and, you know, do just keep doing what we've been doing all year is compliments to your base plays in the offense. So, anything else? Mm-hmm. I think I'm all right. All right. So, with that, we'll get into film room right after a quick read from our sponsors over at Ground Zero MMA. If you're looking, if you or your kids are looking to get any sort of uh, boxing, fighting, MMA gym, you can go down there, check them out at 133 First Street Northeast, right across the street from Chloe's Diner or Mass and Transmission. Um, or check them out at GroundZeroMMA.com, Ground Zero Mass and Martial Arts on Facebook, or GZ underscore MMA on Instagram. You know, they have all sorts of uh, mixed martial arts, boxing, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, one-on-one lessons, and uh, yoga, if that's something you want to get into, too. So, again, big shout-out to them. Go get your MMA, jiu-jitsu on. And with that, we'll uh, get into some film room, check out some film, and then keep on rolling right in the lake. All right, so first play here, um, we talked about it in the recap segment where they had to uh, end up having two guys off the line down here at the bottom. Uh, I never even thought to look at the top to see if that fullback was on or off the line. But I'm just start it rolling, and you can watch... So first guy steps off, second guy steps off, only end up with six on the line. And that's an, you know, illegal formation. So you see up top, receivers off the line, but tight ends on. Hey, just one thing that the, one more thing that the defense missed, right? Yeah, and or, I think not that. defense, um, refs. refs. I, I think that. I mean, also that receiver was moving. Uh, uh, I'll give him. Well, you gotta I'll give, give a, him credit. You got to give it a one set. You got to give it a count. Like you, there's, there needs to be a full one Mississippi after a shift. That's technically a shift. Yeah, correct. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's not that bad, but you, you could call it that if you'd like. Yeah, I was fine with the pass interference here. Uh. I'll have to watch it this time through, but he did end up getting past the safety there, so you know we're not giving up six. Yeah, I was trying to figure out why he like pitches it to the guy and he immediately pitches it back, but the way the tight end just kind of slow plays it and the 
linebackers just bite up on the run action there. I mean, it's good play design. It's not bad. See the guy steps on. Oops. Oop, he's on. Oop, no, he was on. Yeah, I, I think they could have. Like, if that tight end held up a little bit longer, you know, maybe you have a chance of mm-hmm. that safety biting harder. But Yeah, the receiver almost takes out the quarterback mid-throw, trying yeah. to block for him. I mean, good good job by the safety to catch it, see what was going on, recognize it. Yep, no big plays. Yeah. Hey, rather give up fifteen than six. Absolutely. So, like in the and in the NFL, it's a little bit different because they take the ball all the way down to the one. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of almost a touchdown anyway. Yeah. You're better off trying to play the ball, um, just because it's a tough catch. But in high school, yeah, we'll take the yards. That's fine. No big plays. Absolutely. So with that, we'll keep it moving. Just into the recap. Let's see here. Just a little power action. Just carrying dudes. Is that, yeah, it's Pringle. Yeah. What a guy. What a dude. Just this was on third down, too. Yeah, a little smash on third and five. So, or third and eight. Corners playing way off, respecting the speed that we got outside. I mean, that's a good read. Like, you're not against off corner like that, you know, especially when you know you're getting quarters. It's really not much to read on smash. It's just take your step, get the ball out to the hitch, because it's going to be there. Yeah, receiver does his job, gets a couple yards after catch, first down. Come on. I believe in you. Nice. We'll cut this. There we go. Interception that caused a whole lot of commotion. I want to see what it looks like on a film. Oh, you're not going to be able to see it. No. Just a basic flood. Linebacker undercut the out route. Can't play it better than that. Looks like just a little, let's see here, power. Hits the backside A gap. Squeezes through there, makes just shrugs a guy off. And again, trail just being a dude. This one, phenomenal play by Fair. Yep. I never even saw the fumble live. It's like, oh, we have the ball now. Yeah. Just kind of knocked it out of his hand naturally. All jacked up from a 
Just great play. Just max protect, one-man fade route. So the linebackers played that. Just straight pass drop. Running backs immediately go up to getting pass pro, and the linebackers are just so keyed in on us running so much out of this formation. I mean. Easy pitch and catch there. Yep. Little Z post. Not as easy a pitch and catch on that one. Get it over the defender like that? Yeah. Also, just as a... Look at that pocket. That's, that is beautiful pass protection by our offensive line. Don't get much better than that. Can you run that back? Yeah. Pause it after, like, now. What are we looking at? I was trying to figure out why the corner was able to undercut that. It, um, I don't think it was the corner. It was the linebacker. No, it's the corner, I think. Oh, it run, yeah. Yeah. So, I know this wasn't the first time we ran that play tonight. No. Might have been the um, third. This was the last time we called it. Yeah, this was right after their coach conceded defeat. Yep. And then our first play was a touchdown. I mean, we had to connect on a long ball eventually. I mean, this wasn't the first time we hit on this play either. But, uh, yeah, so I think Tolls can probably do a little bit better of a job of stemming that corner mm-hmm. in this situation. He initially brings the corner inward which we've talked about how good that is against cover four because that cover four corner wants to stay out. But in this situation, that corner's up a little bit tighter. He's facing you head on. It looks probably more like a man look. And in this situation, you probably need to treat it more like a man-beating route than you would a cover four-beating route. So it's still tough to defend because it's across the middle of the field. Corners don't like going across the middle of the field. It's tough to do. Mm-hmm. but he doesn't help himself at all because he immediately goes inside and stems with the number two works great against cover four, but he just takes the corner with him. And then there's not much of a move there. It's just then cutting across the middle. I think in this situation, you know, we talk about attacking the defender's leverage. Mm-hmm. You have to try to keep him outside a little bit more. If you want to start off by stemming it inside like he does, that's fine. But maybe give him a little shimmy to keep him honest and then break it inside. So my only pushback on that is he's not just running a post. He's running a trail post. Like part of the play is he has to get behind the number two receiver. So how would you would you just, as you're behind him right before yes. you break inside, give him a little head nod out and then break in or what? Yeah, probably. I would probably still stem it, and then I would push him outside again. Keep him honest. It delays him for half a step. Um, offensive players do. Defensive players react. So if you can get them, you know, you want to get that reactionary step. If you're just letting him follow you, there's nothing to react to. It's just a foot race. Yeah. 
So if you can get him hesitant for half a second, and I understand what you're saying is it's not a regular post, it's a trail post, but the whole point of it being the trail post is because it beats the cover four. In this situation, a man, you could take that number two receiver out of the equation if you wanted. It's not changing a whole lot for the corner right here. The corner is trailing it. I would still stem it that same way. I would just threaten the corner a little bit more on the outside. Unless you're just a world-class sprinter. I mean, it works. Yeah. Right? Well, how much But how much does getting behind and trailing the corner out with that defender also defending the corner, how much does that act as a pick for the, cor- for the actual cornerback? In this situation, yeah. not at all. Because the corner doesn't get picked, he just goes underneath of it. If I think you, I think if you realize this is man, that number two maybe goes outwards a little bit more to create more of a natural pick. The thing is, we're not running this like we would a man beater. Yeah, this isn't how you would run a man beater in this situation. We're running it the same way we run it against cover four, which allows that corner to just trail, and he obviously had enough speed to undercut it. It was a good throw. It was high over the top. And I feel like when we run that post, it usually is a little deeper. So it's mm-hmm. kind of over the top more. But if Slaughter would have just put one on the line, you know, it gets undercut maybe. I, I mean, it's not a it's not a big deal at all. Just kind of nitpicking a little bit. I was just trying to figure out how does a corner make that play because it's yeah. such a tough play. It is so tough to undercut that route as a corner. We've diagnosed this route 100 times this year. But... So that's what I just want to look. Like, how did the corner do it? How did he do it? Oh, well, he just trailed it the whole time and had enough speed to undercut it. Good for him. So how do we beat that? Keep him from just riding your route. He just followed Toll's route the whole way. Mm-hmm. At some point, you need to get him off of that. Keep him honest. Start to stem it. Hit him with a little outside shimmy. If he holds up for even a half a second, half a step, and then you break it in, you're taking that undercut away. But... If, you can roll it if you want. I just, I think he just follows this route all the way. He's just following it, following it. There's no screen. He's just, boom, just undercuts it. So how much is it that the pass was a little bit, sh- like, shorter? Because they're essentially playing cover zero here. I mean, the linebackers yeah. don't blitz. They drop. But it's your corners and safeties playing out on islands. So when that's happening, you're getting the man coverage, then Slaughter can just, he can run the route the same way. Slaughter can just put a little more air underneath of it, Mm -hmm. let him run underneath it more, and just let the natural, like, direction of the route beat the corner trying to trail it. Yeah. In this situation, I think the deeper the ball, the better you'd be since the corner is trailing because he's playing from underneath. And it's completely different when you're going against the cover four. But in this situation, he's underneath of it. So if you keep going vertical, I think you keep your separation more. Normally, that in-break helps you get separation on a corner. Yeah. But that corner is just trailing you so strongly from the beginning. At the same time, I think the number two receiver probably could have slowed it. I mean, it's not bad, I guess. Just going cover zero there is probably your best chance at stopping that mm-hmm. because when you go to zone, you get it gets tricky. 
Well, going to cover zero is your best chance when you're actually blitzing, not when you're just sending five and keeping two underneath zone droppers. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. I th- they still had the route covered. He jumps it. I think it's a good ball. It's a good ball, but... Um, when I'm looking at a receiver, like, with that much grass in front of him and a defender behind him, I'm not calling that covered by any stretch of the imagination. That's because you're putting it in NFL standards, where you're hitting the guy in stride every time. We've watched Slaughter do it. We've also seen him not hit guys in stride. In high school, you're not expected to hit everybody yeah. in stride. Also, this is recovery speed. You know, he ha- if you go back half a second, there's even a bigger gap. If you go forward a second, he undercuts the receiver. I mean, he's catching up to this. Maybe it's because we're used to that being open. You slow down a little bit, look for the ball. But in this situation, but you just got undercut. It's good ball placement. I think in this situation, it's probably better to go a little bit more vertical because then it's a tougher play on the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think you could stem it a little bit better just so he can't f- just, you know, he just kind of played that. I see what you mean. I mean, it, yeah, you want to see him give the little head nod, maybe threaten the corners leverage Something a little bit. Because he just immediately breaks inside. Mm-hmm. But not to forget, Tolls is also a sophomore. Sophomore. Yeah, absolutely. So, like we said, learning experience. But hey, six points is six points. Absolutely. Good catch, good throw. Obviously, stats are probably going to be a little bit off. I think we were only three for ten on third down, but we were also three for three on fourth. So, conversion opportunities, you're at about 60%. That's good ball. All right. Next up, we got the dude. Is that vertical, upright, arms pumping? It's like Tom Cruise sprinting in any movie. (laughs) Breaks off of a four-star Ohio State recruit's tackle right there. Here, a little... uh, Two point conversion, right? No. So this was the touch. That was the touchdown before the two point conversion. Okay. Um, you know, out of this formation, we're running inside all night, power inside zone, and all that, and that's what they're playing. So come out, getting the. This was the fourth. Yeah, and this was fourth, the and, fourth two and two or whatever, two. right before half. Yep. Okay. And you know, we we're talking last week about outside zone, how good it is fourth and two from our own or from their what like four-ish something like four that. yard line and we're calling outside zone that tells you how much our coaches think of the play and the execution mm-hmm. like high leverage situation you want to call one of your best plays you're not drawing up some rinky dink tricky bullshit you are calling a play that you believe in that you know your team can execute we come out outside zone build that wall let Trey walk in for six. Great block on the outside. Trail will on his shoulder. He's taking dudes for rides. 
I love that him and Pringle both loved block. Yeah. Both exceptionally good at it for running backs. Normally I don't see lead blockers, like running backs like to be lead blockers. They're, I think, just behind wide receivers in the diva category of, you know, if I don't have the ball in my hands, I'm not doing, like, I ain't doing my job. Yeah. So to see them want to go out there and just get in the nitty gritty of it and just do the uh, very unglorified, dirty work of schmacking dudes, love to see it. What I don't love to see is the rugby scrum with our best player on the team go on for like 10 seconds. Yeah, they don't blow the whistle. And the refs not blow the goddamn whistle. We did get a few extra yards here, but that's how people get hurt. Exactly. Yeah, blow the whistle. Just look at that. I mean, scrum starts. It wasn't on the goal line. It wasn't a first down dependent play, you know, so. And they let the There was no need for that. I just kind of, they let the scrum run for seven seconds. Yeah, it's not good. So with that. Trails highlights. (laughs) Short and to the point. He cuts them off. Yep. He starts them after the snap and he cuts them off before the whistle. But. Hey, man. When you got like. You got a hundred of them. You yeah. got them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're paying by the minute here. We got to <laughs> make it efficient. Next up, we have a new entry in our highlight reel. Slaughter, who finally decided he wanted to start putting highlights out on uh, Huddle. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we got to see a couple passes from our starting quarterback finally on this show. Well, RPO action, getting it off quick before that, you know, you got five guys down on the line. So it's third and short. Yeah. Looks like we're blocking just basically guard wrap. So that backside tackle, it'll be the left tackle. So the right one, as you're looking at it, has to block the man in front of him. And let's number 10 run free and Slaughter, you know, gets off that quick screen before the guy can even get to him. Another Z post action. I think that was the first one we called. Yeah. Stays in the pocket, lets it develop, lays out a receiver-friendly ball right here. Mm-hmm. Also, definitely earlier in the game because they only have four down on the they only have four down on the defensive line. Yeah, this would have been the second quarter. And our pass protection just does a phenomenal job. Yeah, same smash route from the recap film. Oh, almost got you there. Nice little stunt they got going on. Mm-hmm. These two guys about headbutted. <laughs> it's a great blocking by way. Yeah, good block. Wiggins outside.
it's probably not where he wanted the ball placement to be no. right there, but it worked. Yeah, that's one of those, like, it's weird to watch the guy catch it in stride, but uh, good to see Slaughter see that they got, you know, one defender over two receivers right now. Are they trying to run that safety over, or yes. is that like a post-snap? No, he's he's trying to get over. He just wasn't there in time. Yeah. yeah. I need to get a better block. Yeah. I mean, to be fair on that ball, yeah, probably not where he wanted it to go, but he put it exactly where the receiver needed to go off the ass of his block. So. Yeah, sometimes I, I don't think this is what he did, but, yeah, sometimes you throw the ball to put the receiver where he needs to be. Yeah. That could be away from a defender, you know, uh, an open window. Sometimes you're throwing it where you want him to be rather than where he is, mm-hmm. but that takes a little bit of chemistry and how hard you throw the ball also. Yeah. You can't zoom it into the wrong spot. Yeah, I don't think that one was on purpose. That one, I don't think so either, but it does happen. That one was just failed correctly. Back corner. That one. Another little offensive tidbit here. Normally when we motion the fullback, we're almost always running to his side. That's one of our tells. So you get the fullback motion in, build that big edge with the tight end and the fullback now, and then just straight drop back pass. Tennessee breaker, baby. But just... Step, hitch, throw, perfect timing. Yeah, Banks does a good job of running his route. He keeps the route very vertical, kind of shimmies inside a little bit, and then just runs right past the corner. Here's that end zone angle of the last Z post we ran. Yeah, I think that's a good angle of he's not as wide open as you think he is. I mean, that's that's open. And then it's not. That's not, yeah. Like, this is high school. You got to... In the NFL, you hit him in stride with a rocket. In the corner, doesn't even have a chance to get there. Yeah. You know, in college, you're just you're running so fast that the corner can't keep up with you. In high school, you have to have a good ball here. So Trell with a great pass pro assist uh, with 77 here, our right guard. That's all the offensive film we got. Now move right along to, I think I got Welch queued up. Okay. Does appear to be the case. Corner up top here, playing a little off coverage. I do want to give a quick shout out. I forgot to check, see if he uploaded it, but he hasn't uploaded any game film since uh, Fitch. But, dude, Lieb's outside on defense. He had a good game, especially early. It was kind of like a bright spot. He was playing tough, um, had some good plays early in the game that I think we needed. Uh, and, yeah, he did a really good job against the screens also. I think 
it's been a running theme for him that well that I see him do pretty much all season that goes that I hear nobody else talking about is he will be screaming his head off to get a check in like that they're doing that the receivers are lined up in some specific way that obviously our defense needs has a check for and nobody else is seeing it but he does a great job of I would say quarterbacking our secondary from his spot just uh you know, to really lean into the stereotype, but it's also true. Really smart, heady, high football IQ player. Yeah. Normally you also have Coach Hack on the sideline doing that also. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, you need somebody else out there that can reciprocate it. And, you know, not everybody's gonna catch everything. So having a player on the field that can notice a few things and get your checks in place, that's that's what you need. A little power read action into that shift. Defense stretches it out. Does a good job. Left guard looks tiny. Hey, he plays with a lot of heart, okay? Real gritty player. I was once told that's something you can't measure. That uh, is indeed something you supposedly can't measure. You can measure the left tackle. Donk. Yeah, good job avoiding the block there. Yeah. Especially since this is a uh, quads look. Definitely not something that's easy to run in and disrupt like that. Looks like a little cloud action. Jumps the screen. And jumps the screen and really is responsible for the sack here. Yeah. Because the quarterback pumps it or wants to throw it, realizes he doesn't have anywhere to go. And he wanted that quacker. I always love to see DBs like miss the easy interception and just the head in the hands for the next like five to twelve seconds. Yeah, I mean he wasn't even close to catching that one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that yeah that thing got that oversailed everyone. But he does a good job of you know kind of playing the middle. They're trying to hit that soft spot in cover two, and he made it not so soft of a spot. The quarterback had to get it over him and throws it out of bounds because of it. Yep. So that's all we got for Welch. Let's uh, move it down into the box here. Get a little bit of uh, Cody Fair highlights. It's a very Pringle-like blitz there. Just shot out of a Strip cannon. sack, yeah. Eating Recognizes the screen. the screen. Avoids the block. A sure tackle. Reads it. Avoids the screen. Our interior D-line is disruptive all night, man. That should have been... Uh, he wants that one. Yeah, there's... Moore a f- wants that one back. There's a few situations where um, we let them get out of tackles. Chases down the play from behind. Yeah. 
Just, I want to watch this one more time. You know, he's just... 78, what are you doing? Yeah, he was locked up on our OB. Didn't even see this coming. Yeah. Uh-oh. That, that's never a good spot you want to be in as a lineman. Like, back turned completely to the play, just watching your quarterback get schwacked. Mm-hmm. And not, like, getting on the ball either. Yeah. Just Too like, far away to do anything about it. <laughs> too, uh, too big and lumbering to do anything about it, even if he was close enough. Yeah. So... Moving right along, we got some big mic highlights. Just tosses a guy. (laughs) Just one hand smacks him into the other side of the line. There's another toss right there. And still get into the play. This one, I think this is our first goal line stand. This is Big Mike's highlights, but uh, big shout out to uh, 84. Is that Bond? Yeah. Chase Bond, knifes inside, makes the running back bounce it outside a little bit and disrupts the timing enough for Big Mike and I almost said Big Mike and the boys, which is a, like a phenomenal some kind of group name. Big Mike and the boys. I don't know what kind of group it is, but, you know, if uh, there's a big Mike out there or a small Mike that's, you know, so small that the name becomes ironic and you got a group of boys, feel free to take that name. <laughs> okay. Oh, here's that motion empty with the big mic just eating up the screen. Just does a great job of slow playing it. You know, as a as a defensive lineman, I've said this before and I'll say it again. When you go untouched, you know something is coming. You, The offense probably didn't screw up that badly. So you can see he doesn't just like run right upfield, just slow plays it and is right there to introduce himself to that receiver. Which I can't imagine as a receiver you would uh, enjoy being tackled by a nose guard very much, huh? Every time I had to run a screen, I got tackled by my own center. (laughs) So, no, it's not fun. That's uh, less than ideal. Yeah. I'll just have Ben Hampton weighing on top of me. (laughs) Every time I ran Sparrow. He wouldn't block a soul, but he would somehow end up weighing on top of me. At the end of the play. Hey, you're just trying to get his stats up, man. Yeah, I guess so. I'm like, look, coach, I can play defense, too. <laughs> just face. The one time, I'm just laying there. And his, we're face mask to face mask. He's like, hey, buddy. <laughs> get off. <laughs> That's the <laughs> most Ben thing possible. It's like, you're 280 pounds and just laying on me face mask to face mask right now. Move. <laughs> I know you didn't block anybody. I know it. <laughs> just laying on top. You're like. Man, that pizza at lunch was good. Hey, bud. (laughs) Oh, hell. All right. So I think that about wraps it up for Big Walnut. Now we can get into some lake highlights. I got a few different clips here for us. Hold on. Very hard to find, like, game recap film for him. That's, you know, 
worth at least half a damn. So I figured I'd start and keeping it close to the chest up there. Apparently, check out their uh, only loss on the air. We've seen it before, but might as well watch it. You know, knowing what McKinley is gives you a different eye to watch the game. He. Okay, 24. What are we looking at here? Uh, the safety's tackle at the end. Any open field tackle is a good open field tackle. But I imagine you miss some open field tackles in your life. Eesh. Definitely not teach tape material right there. No, it is. It, this is teach tape on how not to tackle because that's how yeah, people that's get true. concussions. Yeah. Can confirm. <laughs> what in the world? Was that supposed to be a disguised cornerback blitz? Yes. Oh, my goodness. They forgot to do the disguising part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> usually, your, <laughs> usually your boundary corner is not splitting the difference like an outside linebacker. <laughs> I like how the safety is still trying to sell it still while the cornerback yeah. is lined up in yeah. the backfield. Oh, no, he's, he's still got him. Yeah, don't worry about it. He's not blitzing. Yeah, no, he's dropping back. That's a that's our new trap coverage we got there. Okay. Yikes. I can only imagine the corner trying to hit that spin move on the fullback right there <laughs> just to look up and watch the safety get burnt. <laughs> huh? Oh. Darn. Oh, man. I didn't even notice that. I never noticed the corner in this clip. I was like... Well, I just looked up and I was like, who's guarding him? Yeah. Because I saw him get... I saw the defender get beat. So I was like, all right, I want to see how they lined up against this. Because, like, are they pressing? Was it man? I look up and he's unguarded. I'm like, what in the... Oh, there's the corner. Okay. Unguarded is... Not good coverage. Yeah. Safety truck. See, what are you doing? Is, if you're going to do that, the safety can't be looking in the backfield. Or he needs to get over first. Mm. And then, you know, look, he's paused looking in the back. Yeah, I get, yeah, your hips are turned the wrong direction. Yeesh. Yikes. I bet that corner thought he was so cool when he hit that spin move on the fullback there. Mm -hmm. Damn it. Yeah. It's a shame he didn't like. Yeah. Uh, and no flag for that. Two of them did it. Yeah. Two guys did Cobra Kai. No flag. Interesting. This just. I mean. Yeah, we saw them throw a couple interceptions when we were previewing the McKinley game, and they were very bad interceptions. Like. I think he thinks he's playing, like seven on five. Yeah, he just completely missed the linebackers dropping. Linebackers exist, son. That one, I don't think he was making it to the receiver no. anyway. It looked like it was five yards short. Quarterback's jacked up, though. Or is that the running back? Somebody was. Let's find out. I'll follow the running back. You follow the quarterback. No, I was going to. Okay. I think it's the running back. Oh, yeah, that's the running back. Yeah, running back. He might not be uh, playing. One of the running backs isn't playing. 
There's the flag. I'm sure someone did a Cobra Kai somewhere. This is just high comedy. Well, we're going to throw it back because I missed it. Did it just slip out of his hand? Yes. I thought it was going to be a screen and then a fumble or something, but... Just start playing the... Uh... Benny Hill theme song? Yes, thank you so much. That's not how it ends, but oh, it's on a helmet or something. I started off strong and then and tailed into a different... You know, it's kind of like my accents. You know, it, it just never goes where you're never going, goes but it goes where it's somewhere. supposed to go, but yeah. Came to it. It's like he was trying not to score. Was a quarterback asking for a touchdown? Yeah. You got it. Okay. So, you know, always good to see a common opponent against uh, someone you're coming up to play. Give you an idea. Now, this uh, stole some highlights from who they just play Westerville South. Yes. So this is Westerville South linebackers highlights against lake so two stacked receivers there yeah each side so obviously the point of this isn't necessarily watching the linebacker but you get a feel for the lakes Mm -hmm. offense Mm -hmm. again linebackers don't exist Well, they're playing with a uh, backup running back here. So their one running back's not playing at all then? That might have been the first play right there, actually. Um, It is to my knowledge that their running back broke his ankle. Or something of the sort. Well, we might need to skip some highlights then. Or we can just watch them anyway. Uh, Yeah, because I think they're using... Like one of their skill player, jack of all trade, backup quarterback guys or something. Gotcha. They did back. have, uh, I think that because I saw like a number like one or two out there so far in these clips. I think that's that one. Who's that? Their slot receiver slot that receiver, he would play a little, little bit, bit of everything. Like running back and two back set type deals. Got it. I can't tell what his number is with those jerseys in this camera. Yeah. Like number one, number two, nine maybe. Ouch. Yeah. He just get speared by his own teammate. Let's see here. So they're just unbalanced to the one side. Into the boundary. Student body, right, more or less. And oof. Don't try that one at home, kids. But yeah, they like to run a lot of uh, unbalanced stuff, especially into the boundary. Really make the defense declare, you know, do you want to roll cover three into that and you got all that space the open side of the field? Or do you want to play too high so you're not forcing your uh, corner to be responsible for an you know entire side of the offense, more or less? 
You can see here they are more than willing to attack that backside. You know my favorite part about that entire play right there? Huh. It shows why you're supposed to run at corners. Exactly. He wanted nothing to do with that. Make corners tackle. That's why you don't ask your corners to tackle. <laughs> and that's why you stay too high to that. Yeah. I mean, if it happens a lot, you can, like, rotate out of it or something, I guess. But Yeah. Oh, that's the beginning of it. All right. So next up, we got, I think this is the quarterback's highlights against Hoover. Yeah, this is what, it's 22, they're starting running back. Yeah. And just watching these while I was recording them. Seems to be 24 is kind of their guy, their go-to guy as a receiver. I like that backside hitch RPO on a lot of the run plays. The stadium's not here anymore. Huh? Oh. Hoover Stadium. Yeah. It's already torn down. Yeah, I think some of those quick screens are going to get jumped. Yeah. Quarterback just kind of blindly throws them. Um, I mean, he looks like a fairly middle of the pack, you know, what you expect to see out of a federal league quarterback right there. Mm -hmm. Make some throws, get some quick passes out. Yeah, um, willing runner, you know, they run the option a bit. They run some just called quarterback runs too. Uh, next clip we got for him here against Perry. That right, looked good. I think that was a little hitch and go action there. Eh, eh. Yeah, it was a double move for sure. Yeah, yeah. sluggo. Mm -hmm. You know, he saw Perry's uh, secondary was just so good at covering. Definitely not afraid to throw into windows. Maybe because he doesn't see <laughs> all of the window. God, I just there's it, a window there. It pains me <laughs> to watch a a cover. A cover. Well, this is more of a cover zero. I, oh, it doesn't hurt as bad, I guess. What do you got going? Let's see what the back four do. three four. No, that's a that's a really messed up cover uh, something. That's oh, I mean, they got three secondary guys up top. So is it just man? I don't... Let's see what Backer does here. It doesn't hurt me as bad since it's not just straight cover three. But... Yeah. All right, I got to start holding the shift key. I mean, their linebacker actually does a really good job of... Walling off that read, number three? And I'm looking down here. He just immediately... Uh -oh. I mean, he beats yeah. the corner. <laughs> All right, so they got some hitch and goes and stuff, double moves. Um, our corners will have to stay more disciplined than what Perry's corners do. 
Yeah, you can see you got some wheels on them. Holding that thing like a bread loaf. High and tight. So I did want to point out, this is one of those, it's interesting to me that they snapped the ball out of this formation because you got the ineligible, you got the unbalanced into the boundary, and then you got your off-the-line guy to the field. Normally when you get a formation like that, you're thinking like, oh, we're going to get some kind of jet sweep action because you're obviously not just going to waste a guy and just run a play with an ineligible receiver for no reason. And the first time I saw it, I'm like, this is fucking stupid. And then thinking about it, it's like, okay, the defense is seeing that. Probably going to key on it, too. So you get that quick snap, catch the defense off guard a little bit. Is my idea of why you would run unbalanced with receivers on both sides of the formation like this. I mean, he's still an eligible receiver. Yeah, but you're, what I'm saying is you're wasting a guy to the trip side. Because it's unbalanced. Instead of just running normal trips where you have four eligible receivers. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And that yeah. that's kind of why I used to not like unbalanced was because you're wasting a guy in this situation. But then you started getting into my ear about how you can block with them and the defense still has to account for them. And, um, so, I mean, whatever. I, this is... So, yeah, this play is, I'm just assuming it's some kind of tendency breaker that they almost always bring that guy in some kind of jet motion or get him moving in some form or fashion that takes advantage of the otherwise unbalanced set. Yeah. But defense overplayed the inside run and let number three take off for a good chunk of change. Good to see Perry still doesn't know how to cover a backside hitch. Consistently. I hate the way Perry runs their coverage so much. Why? <sighs> What's the matter? You don't like having seven over five and leaving basically your DBs on an island? I have no issue with this guy being on an island. I have an issue with how he's lined up. He's going to be lined up with this, oh, I'm reading the backfield cover three stance. But he's locked on to that corner because he knows he's one-on-one. Yep. Set yourself up. Well, all right, I was never, <clears throat> you know, I didn't start as a corner. But I played corner my whole career. I I never played varsity corner. But, I mean, I was a starter in seventh, eighth, ninth, sophomore. I, you know, that I was actually a corner way before I was a receiver. And somehow, due to where our talent lied, I ended God, up being a receiver. God, how down bad was your grade? Your starting corner? I was a good corner. I mean, yeah. I wasn't a great tackler, but we weren't asked to tackle. Um, <laughs> well, I was no a, corner is, so. I was a good corner. Uh, we were taught how to line up in general, right? For this coverage, you want to line up this far off, this leverage. When it came down to you knew you were one-on-one, -on -one, I just kind of lined up how I felt most comfortable because I know it's one-on-one. Mm-hmm. 
he's just lining up the same way no matter what. He knows he's one-on-one right now. He's face guard. You know, he's faced on this receiver, but he's not lined up in a position that allows him to do it. He's just straight on, what is he, maybe inside leverage a little bit and facing inside. He's just putting himself in a bad spot. I would, I mean, it just depends on what you like. You can be inside leverage, outside leverage, what you're better at. I mean, how far off you're going to play, how good as receiver you're playing. You know, there's different factors that go into it, but I would never line up like that, ever, if I'm like manned on. I'm doing that if I'm reading the second receiver. If we're doing cover two, cover four, Okay, I'm reading the inside, but he's not reading anything inside. He's reading the receiver. No need to fake it. You're not disguising anything if you're just going to get beat. Hey, man, they didn't have to dis- defend the spread in 1956, okay? <laughs> this is this is newfangled hoo-ha to them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like one-on-one should be, like, what they're, <laughs> a, u- a what pretty, they're used to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just put yourself in a better position. That's all. Like, you are in a bad spot right now. If you're trying to cover somebody like that, because I'm any vertical route, I am beating you because you can't play both ways if you're not squared up. So he either needs to open up his hips immediately. And that's just how I'm playing this route. Now, if you go outside of me, I'm squeezing you to the boundary. If you go inside of me, I'm, I'm trailing, but you can't drop with your hips like that. Really? Because if I'm running a fade, I'd love to run a fade against this. I'm going to attack your inside shoulder and then go right outside you. Mm-hmm. And then you can try to flip your hips and run. If I'm running a post, I'm going to threaten you outside, get you to cross your feet, and then hit the post. He's just in a bad spot. I don't I mean, run it. I'm, I don't need to diagnose why they – but so, uh, he just shuffle, shuffle, and then gets beat inside. And honestly, that's probably the easiest thing for him to cover right there was that route based on how he did it. The receiver didn't threaten him outside at all, so the corner never had to move his hips, but he still just gets beat inside. It's You're putting yourself in a bad spot if you don't feel comfortable going both ways. God. I just don't like it. I don't like it at all. Yeah. For, or just force it outside. That's what I... I was... I would always line up inside, and like, I wouldn't really press, but I'd get up close. And you just have to run past me. But that I know that's what you're doing. I'm from the start, I'm lining up inside of you, and wherever you run, I'm running there with you. There's no worrying about getting my feet crossed. There's no trying to get you at the top of your route. It's just I'm running with you. That's what it is. Quarterback's gonna have to throw it over my head, and you're gonna have to do an over the shoulder catch in high school. And I'm gonna try my best to squeeze you against the sideline. We both know what's happening, but you gotta execute. <laughs> yeah. I would 100% rather do that than ever be indecisive or feel like I can't do both. If you start pressing me inside, then go out. Damn. If you start going outside, then go in. Damn. So, like, you either need to play far enough off that you always have a cushion or you have to squeeze them one way. I, at this, I, I'm saying this level, but like the yeah. way Perry runs our defense, it is like talking to a middle school. <laughs> like, you're setting up middle schoolers for what you think is going to help them. Because they, they run their defense in such an old-school, rudimentary way. You have corners out there doing what middle school corners do. It's not the same when you get to this level, and that's why they're getting beat so badly. They're not the best athletes in the world. We know that, but they're not putting themselves in great positions either. 
Speaking of rudimentary, I peeked down at the line, and they're still playing with that three-tech off the ball. And I wasn't even going to make a joke. It was just going to be an honest comment of, oh, I should ask my dad why they play with their yeah. three-techs back Hoover, like that. Hoover does it, too. And then, like, oh, yeah, my dad played in 1974. That would be newfangled hoo-ha to them at this point. Yeah. Hoover had both inside guys playing off. Mm-hmm. Perry always has the three-tech off. It's. I'm sure it means something to someone. I think that we haven't. I think I asked Uncle Joe, and he didn't know. Well, he just kind of like agreed. It helps with like, oh, it's probably for angles or yeah. you know being able to beat. But there was no just like definitive. This is why we do it. Kind of answer. I think that is how both three techs or both inside guys played off the ball back in the day. That's what you told me when I asked you yeah. a while ago. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's how my dad did it. Yeah, that's my dad drew it up one day, and both inside guys were up and off. Not up, but you know, they were off. And I, whew. there's a reason. Um, some football historian can tell us. I can't, and I think there's a reason most nobody else does it anymore. Yeah, I don't know. But, so I think your entire spiel on the corner play goes back to what we were saying earlier and what we've brought up before. If you're gonna be wrong, just be decisive about it. Don't yeah. don't shuffle shuffle. Is he going out? Is he going in? Is he going vertical? Is he staying short? Yeah, I mean this wasn't like the best example to look at because the receiver helps the corner. Yeah. He just runs right inside of the corner. The corner never has to change his drop he never has to open his hips he never has to change nothing about it is threatening to the corner he just gets beat right but it would be it would be very easy for this receiver to beat the corner by how he runs this route based on this alignment it it just hurts me to watch this so here's an interesting question for you how many bad habits receivers have going into the higher levels do you think are because of bad corner play at lower levels they can get away with that shit i i don't i don't think it's anything more than any other position in any other sport gets away with the same thing that quarterbacks probably get away with at lower levels you know guys wide open mm-hmm. um linebackers that don't drop etc uh receivers can just go get open uh, linemen can probably get away with one move. Running backs can bounce it every time if they're athletic. You know, I I think it's the same thing for every position. When you're good at something, like you know, if you're just naturally better, yeah, as a younger player, if you're a dude you can get away with, with kids. You then. can get away with stuff. So I don't think it it's necessarily an issue with receivers more than anything else. I mean, basketball it happens, baseball it happens, soccer it happens. You know, it's yeah. as you grow up. Competition gets better, and you have to also adapt. I don't think it's specific to receivers. No, that sounds about right. That would probably be my answer, too. And just that question popped into my head. Like, God put that question in my head. Like, here's a good one. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think about it. I'm just like, ooh, light bulb. Let me spit this out, and then I'll think about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I do remember a time in the summer of my sophomore year in playing corner, and we go out there and we run a cover two, which we've been running cover two, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, no issue. Mm-hmm. I go out there, two-by-two two set, cover two corner. Both guys go vertical. I play the flat because that's what we did. Cover two, we play the flat. And this senior just r- rips into me. He's like, what are you doing? Like, you got to follow that. I'm like, 
follow the deep guy on cover two? Uh, no. I'm Madden says I'm the flat defender. It's like, I've been playing cover two for three years now, all right? We don't do that. And then it's like, oh, damn, it, at this level, like I guess corners do drop. <laughs> so, oops. <laughs> and that's kind of like more where your cover four-ish comes in. But, mm-hmm. no, I, I was a hard cover two against four verts. <laughs> and it was just a quick, like, yeah, we don't do that here. It's yeah. different. Oh. Oops. I'll uh, see myself out. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Hand up. Sorry. Sorry. That one's on me. Yeah, but I mean, things evolve. Things get better. Mm. Unless you go to Perry. They don't evolve or get better. Nobody mentioned to you that, hey, if two goes vertical, you got one vertical? No, because that's not how we played it. But, like, going into when you're... Uh, this was early in the summer... may have been mentioned oh so you're just sleeping through that install then no because i was actually pretty good at paying attention to learning all that stuff is that when you could read still yeah i could still read back then nice i i just messed it up i don't know so oops whatever but i mean didn't even like occur to me that knowing some was that freshman year or sophomore year sophomore year so who would have our corners coach been? Did we have Spider yet? No. So the sophomore year, it was, I can't think of his name. He was only here for one year. He played at Mount with Jason Hall. Ah. Okay. That explains Bad, it. He's a good guy. Good coach. Um, But oh, wow. it w- I think that was his only year. Got it. So he came in and, yeah, so it may have been a little bit different. But, yeah, I was coming from the freshman level where we didn't really do that. Yeah, just drop Also, it. I think we had, like, yellow and gold were two different coverages. But we, like, you know, it's like a two and four, kind of. But Yeah. I messed up. But it was one of those just, like, evolving things. Just, yeah, everything evolves. Yes, sir. Also, as a various side, uh, ESPN breaking news. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, top four. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. So, obviously it's not going to stay like that, especially after next week, but tis how tis. So, that was a fun little aside. I always like hearing your rants on bad corner play and really bad position play that I don't know anything about. It just irritates me. I'm by no means a high school corner coach. But they're not running a high school defense. So these are the situations where I feel like I can step in. Yeah. Because I, I relate to everything that these guys are doing right now. That's what we ran for a long time. Uh, that's not how you want to do it. But with the system they're running, here are the tweaks I want to make. I feel like I'm qualified to talk about how they run it. Yeah. I don't talk about how we run our defense. I'll talk about good plays Mm -hmm. that people make, but I don't talk too much about scheme because it's not really the same one we ran, and it's good. Yeah. Perry's isn't. Perry's is most about. I will talk about theirs. Yeah. I mean, I I bust your balls a lot about it, but, yeah, you played corner and receiver your whole life. Like, when you talk about that shit, I listen. And, you know, most people that – I was a good corner. Yeah. Hey, that's up for debate, but, you know. I was a good corner, I'm telling what, you. What? Pull your sleeve up. Yeah, I get it, all right? <laughs> it only lasted, you know, <laughs> until junior year, Yeah, but I was a good corner. 
I, just, I couldn't tackle. No corner can. Yeah. Those stack sets. Not, I mean, yeah, you'll have a couple pass plays out of it, but you're doing that to empty the box, and your goal here is to run the football. Like so. I mean, kudos number 10 for attacking the point man, but I feel like if you would have just opened your eyes, (laughs) there was a lane to fill. Safety just comes up and hits the point man. Yep. He was probably expecting the screen, not the run, but... Yeah. I mean, hey, if that's how you're going to defeat that stack screen, then he did his job. Yeah. So you said their running backs got his ankle broke, huh? I believe so. Well, for... Save time and expedite this little process, we can uh, skip these highlights then. Okay. So this will be the quarterback for Westerville South. His highlights against Lake. So you can get a good look at their defense. And a little loop. Yeah. little uh, one, two, three, four. A little five-man blitz. Drop the edge back. Hopefully that top safety has a better drop against us. Just a lazy drop. But he can get away with it here. I mean, he gets beat underneath, but. Yeah. Let's see. Not that we run a lot of trips, but it looks like the game plan was roll cover three to it. Oh. It's not surprising. Cover six, actually, if you want to get. I've been learning a little more Sabanese, and the way he does it is like a weak roll cover three is he goes a cover six, so that's in my head now. So you get that safety weak side so your defense stays balanced and you're not just leaving that corner on an island one-on-one backside with all that space in the alley. Yeah, we would play a little cover six as an empty check. I don't think it was that same setup, though. Mm -hmm. I think ours was probably more too high. With, like, the linebacker playing what would be the roll-down safety or something? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I've seen Masson play it since uh, Coach McConnell got here, but we only, like, it seems like a check when they motion to two-by-two two and we'll roll a safety down against certain teams. So, again, you got the two-over-two two with the stack box and your free safety. Missed a couple tackles. Just a little more Just or less. eating up the middle of the field. Yeah. More or less, uh, I feel it looks like drive, except the guy's running kind of a lazy crosser. So you get the number two down low running the di- or running the driver out and the two up top running like a. Well, what's wrong with that? Yeah, no, just different way to run drive. Yes, yeah, it sits in the window right there. Yeah. It's a play that we have been known to run the hell out of. Yeah. And the way they're eating up the middle like this might get a lot of mileage in the game plan this week. 
I don't think the linebackers did a bad job of dropping there. I think they did a good job of finding the window on this play. Yeah. So he finds a window because he runs it like a lazy route. I'm not saying he's running it lazily. I'm saying he slow plays it, finds the window, yeah. and... That was something uh, Trey Morgan back in the day could do very well. Yeah, see, that was just four verts that gets hit under the safety. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was, like, a prevent time. I mean, it not this, it, it's definitely a different blitz. You normally don't see... You normally don't see zone blitzes with cover four behind it because you end up with... Third and, third and 11, and you get hit. Yeah. Underneath the safety, that's. I mean, good job of sitting down right there. That safety's gonna get thirty yards deep, mm-hmm. and they hit the window. Nice. So, with that, little uh, get to see some linebacker action from him. Dude looks plays fast, hits hard. I yep. mean, yeah, this guy's name. I do not. So we're doing it early this week, so we don't have a. Yeah, I, I just I know that they have a good player out there that I'm just not sure which one he is Swack. obviously not a standard defense we're going to see from the lake it's more of a mm-hmm. this is their five wide green defense here Yeah, Green must have graduated 50 seniors or something. <laughs> they are no bueno this year. Yeah, not many uh, linebacker highlights you're going to get against a five-wide offense. So, let's go to the exact opposite of that and check out his highlights against Perry. Good hit. Okay. Chasing down the tunnel screen. Looks like a pretty good player. Plays fast, hits hard, reads his keys well. Yeah. Good-sized kid. Plus, I think he's got a neck roll. Yeah, I think there's a neck roll there, yeah. That just, you know, big fan of the big old white boy with a neck roll. Yeah. It's a certain aesthetic that it just looks right. And then against, um, I think it's Day of the Sales. Nice hit. Knocked six back. He didn't know what hit him. (laughs) 
Yeah, I wish I had the roster for this. I want to see what size that jackpacker is. Because he doesn't look too big. Damn. He's tough. Yeah. Tough player. Strong tackler. And that is all we got for film. So we'll get out of this, give a quick preview over Lake of what we can, then get out of here, huh? Yes, sir. All right. All right, so like I said in film, um, we're doing this a little bit early this week, so we don't have a roster for the team, so we can't give a full lake preview like we normally would, but we can still look a little bit, check out their record. Obviously sitting at 12-1, and one, won the Fed, um, number two in the region, right? Yeah. They were two in the region, yeah. I yeah. was going back to if they won the Fed or not. Yeah, I think they won the Fed. Um, I wanted to say McKinley won the Fed. Did McKinley win the Fed? Oh, I thought they won. I am fairly certain they won the Fed. Well, who did McKinley lose to? In the Fed, they only lost to Perry, and they beat Lake. Well, Lake beat Perry and maybe it was a share of it. I don't All right, know. whatever. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Hey, one loss. Yeah. One loss. Fed sucks. It is what it is. Just a quick glance at the schedule. A lot of, you know, six and six, six and five teams. Um not a tough schedule. No. A few uh sub five hundred teams in the playoffs, which is still just ridiculous, but we've talked that point to death. Um the standout teams here, you know, Alliance finished 8-3. and three. Uh, They beat them 41-14. Hoover finished 8-4. and four. They won 35-15. But, again, McKinley finished 6-6, six and six, and they lost to them 36-26. And their last playoff game, so their three playoff games, first one was Dublin Scioto, 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 uh, they beat them 33-17, beat St. Francis de Sales 13-7, and Westerville South 16-7. So obviously haven't been putting up a lot of points uh, that down the stretch here, but that could have a lot to do with their starting running back being out. You know, if your entire offense is kind of run through him, then you're not going to be sitting as pretty once you lose him. We've seen that when Trow went down and – when we've lost a couple other key guys here and there in different spots over the years. Yeah, I think they only lost him last week, but that could have hurt their offense last week, yes. Um, the week before that, they won like 13-7 to 7 or something. Yeah. So not a lot of points there. Uh, I mean, 
don't know too much about them besides what we've seen on film. They only had that one loss to McKinley. Mm -hmm. They did not play a very tough schedule. But, I mean, in regards to Federal League teams, like, they were the top one, top one or two with McKinley. So, uh, it's the regional championship. They worked their way through the region just like we did. Yeah, you don't get here by accident. Yeah, I mean they're they're definitely having a good year for for them, and uh, it, it should be a decent matchup. I I'm not gonna tell you that they match up with Maslin perfectly or that Maslin's <laughs> underdogs going into this week. No, but uh, it is a decent Lake team. It'll be interesting to see what they are like without their running back. If it is true that he's out. I saw that like the repository put out some kind of article earlier in the week that Lake lost. I forget how many. They lost like three defensive linemen to season-ending injuries throughout Oof. the year, not like this week, but oh, throughout okay. the year they have, and they just keep overcoming it, and they have a good defense. And I mean, yeah, they're not giving up a lot of points either. So, um, I mean, they've had a good year, and it's going to be a good game. And uh, if you learned anything, you can't really trust the box cast. Nope, not one goddamn bit. So, plenty of seating in Parma. You might want to go up there for the regional championship game, just saying. You know, for uh, a lot of the more seasoned Maslin fans, it's not unfamiliar territory. We've played them. We've played at Parma in the past. Mm-hmm. I think most recently was uh, 2019, Avon Lake. That playoff game? Is that where that was? Yeah. Is that where we went to the restaurant? Yep. Beforehand? Yeah. And they had no clue that there was a big game going on, and they yeah. were freaked out about how many people were at the restaurant? They had like three people working that night. And yeah. It's like, why is there a bunch of people in orange and black sitting around here? Completely understaffed. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's where that was. Hmm. So, yeah. I mean, CM, they like to run the ball. Got the RPO quarterback. It's out pretty quick. Defense. Look like they get run on a little bit. Um, cover three, cover four. Losing three starting defensive linemen throughout the year definitely doesn't help. So don't particularly match up well against us on paper, but neither did Big Walnut. And, you know, we didn't blow them out. We let them – they were winning at the beginning, but they weren't necessarily in it. I think we let them stay within arm's reach the whole time, but they never really got closer than that. So – it's week 13, man. 14. 14, yeah. 14. Ooh. Whoops. Math's hard. Uh, you know, you're the you're the concussion guy, but I'm the repeated head injury guy. Mm. Well, not injury. Repeated small blows to the head every play guy. You know, got that, it. That's where they say the real CTE's formed. You know, you, you got the concussions. I'm CTE City over here. You can have that. Yeah, I'll take it. All right, it's all yours. Um, but, yeah, it's week 14, regional championships. Last time we were in the spot walking into a game, we didn't think much of the competition, and that was the end of our season. So, obviously, you got to give them enough respect to come in there, play the game, come out hot, stay hot. God, that's the same thing we've been preaching all year. Um, and do our job, do what we're supposed to do, and just beat the brakes off of them, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a local opponent that we never get to play. 
Um, so, you know, it's, I know that it's a big deal for them. They have some stuff going online about us and, uh, making shirts, making shirts they can't sell, redesigning it so that they can sell it. And, uh, you know, hopefully we go out there and, you know, treat them like a Stark County opponent Mm -hmm. and, you know, try to prove a point. And if nothing else, get yourself prepared for week 15. But you got to win week 14 first. Yep. That's for sure. But I'm saying there should be some extra motivation to it. Hopefully we don't come out just completely flat and have players going around yelling that there's no energy at the start of a game. Yeah. Regional championship, I mean, go out there and get excited. This is, you know, we say it a lot when we play these teams, but this is their Super Bowl. This is if they win this, I think they're it's a successful season for them. Like they don't care. Regional what champs, and we beat Maslin. Yeah. Yes, they're yeah. taking that to they, the trophy. Case. They don't care what happens afterwards. Um, and it it's about time we start treating it. You know, it's not our Super Bowl, but it's about time we start acting like it's theirs. Yeah. You know, so. Come out hot, stay hot, do your job, keep the mistakes to a minimum, and do what everyone thinks we're going to fucking do. Yeah, pretty much. So, I got nothing else to add to that. Rob, we got any spreads or anything tonight? No, we don't have any spreads. No fan questions either. I thought about that earlier today, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll throw that on the Twitter, and then just... Went and did something else and completely blanked on it. That's all right. They know they're allowed to ask us questions. At so. any point in time. Um, so I was thinking we can dive headfirst into the cesspool that is the uh, the Facebook. <laughs> no, you don't want to? No, I hate the Facebook. I mean... How bad are they? So... I remember right after the game, everybody's talking about, like, oh, we got to clean up the penalties, clean up the penalties. I was just starting to get pissed off by it because we don't need a chorus of dozens of dozens of slapdicks that don't know anything about the game, like, just repeating the same thing over and over again. Even if it's, like, correct, it just gets okay tiring to hear after a while. Okay. Attention, everyone. Don't state opinions if other people have already stated them. I mean, you can maybe state it if you've seen it somewhere else, but I don't need one like one post on the Facebook page of, oh, we need to clean up the penalties, and then 20 comments underneath it like, yeah, let's get those cleaned up, clean up the penalties, we're better than this, blah, blah, blah. Like, It's just tiresome. Like, Do you really need to add to the chorus of everyone else saying the same goddamn thing? Okay. No opinion on that? You just no. <laughs> you just ignore it entirely. Yes. First off, I don't think I follow or am part of whatever groups it is that you see this on. Uh, but if so, I would just ignore it. You know, if you just have people agreeing on somebody's post, like, all right, whatever. Yeah. And if they were all agreeing on something stupid that, like, I disagreed with, like, yeah, that made me mad. But clean up the penalties. All right. Yes. Let's clean up the penalties. We we said that ourselves. I don't have an issue with everybody yeah. just agreeing with it. Whatever. All right. Maybe that's a me thing. Fair enough. Um, oh, yeah. So, I mean, might as well talk about it. What do we think of 
two teams in Stark County having to go up to Parma to play the game. I don't have an issue with it, for starters. Um, I mean, I'm fine with it, too. It is what it is. Yeah, I don't have an issue with it. I feel like we probably could have went to Glen Oak. Couldn't have gone to Hoover because there's not a stadium. Hoover doesn't have a stadium. Um, Green is slightly smaller than Glen Oak. We're not going to go to the Hall of Fame. We're not going to go to Akron. So... Yeah, I mean, it ensures that there's going to be seats. So I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. I know that we don't mind traveling uh, if we, it gives us better amenities. So We've gone farther for less. I don't have an issue with it. I don't think our team has an issue with it. Obviously, Lake is fine with it. You know, they're probably on the same board of they want to make sure they get all their fans there. They don't get limited. I know Glen Oak's a wayside, like, isn't the biggest – but I mean, we we play there every you know every other year, and yeah. they're not the biggest games lately. But it usually fills up. But it's never been like we've been complaining about how small their stadium is. But I'm perfectly fine with it. Go up to Parma and uh, plenty of seats. So yeah, hey. no no issue. I'm good with it too. There's, it's... I mean, there's not very many other options. Is the thing mm-hmm. if you eliminate Canton and Akron. Where else now, are we going? Now play? what? Yeah. yeah. So there's, I'm perfectly fine with it. No big deal. I was about to say screw it, let's run it back at Mansfield, but the uh, the last time we did that didn't go so well. And even though entirely different teams, entirely different seasons, whole different years, it's like the bad juju aspect of it that mm-hmm. like is in my head. Of yeah, let's not do that again. Like at the sideliners last week, you know. Sideliner dinner is it? Is it like a different location in Masson? Whoever wants to host it, and then once you get in the playoffs, it's only at the Eagles, and they almost always serve breakfast food, which I'm a fan of. I like that quick and dirty breakfast, the bagged eggs, all that stuff, phenomenal. But I really have a pretty low bar for most things in my life, so you know, don't take my opinion for much. And they were going around asking, like, hey, do you guys want something different to eat next week? Like, you want to change it up a little bit, which just means the pasta and the Italian sausage. But, you know, people were starting to say, like, yeah, you know, that could be different. And I happened to be sitting next to Trail, and he po- he perked up, like, nah, we've been having breakfast every week, and we're winning, so can't change it up now. It's bad juju. Yeah. I mean, we've had it every playoffs for the last <laughs> Since we've been <laughs> longer than we've been there. Yeah. That's what we've had. Um, yeah, apparently the kids really like the breakfast meals. Mm-hmm. I always just kind of assumed it was because it was cheaper. But um, they like it. So, I mean, whatever. I mean, just feed them whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. It's good food. But it's the it's the, it's the the bad juju aspect. Mm-hmm. That's my whole... That's yeah, the, keep it rolling. Yeah. We, uh, I mean, we were big on superstition. Back when we played. Yeah. I still have superstitions and stuff, but... Uh, was it the glove on the left hand or the right hand? One we couldn't figure hand. it out. Yeah, yeah, it kept going back we kept and forth. kept moving it, you know, both gloves on, no gloves on, just the left glove, just the right glove, wearing the left glove while also holding the right glove <laughs> in the left hand, vice versa. 
Uh, we ended up winning, so yeah. some form of combination of changing it constantly helped. Ha- but having gloves on your person in some form <laughs> or fashion won us the game. Yeah, we won the game, and I had gloves. Yeah, and I tried every combination there was, so it might have just been having gloves. Did you try switching hands with them? Left glove on right hand, right glove. On Ooh, left I never hand. wore them backwards. No. Yeah, might need to try never, that one. Never tried that one. Um, no, but I mean, we had a bunch of stuff. We had. There was a player on the team who always stood on, like, the 31-yard line or something mm-hmm. for every game. Uh, in Like, when we got to the playoffs, he would just stand on the 31. I don't think it was the 31, but he would stand on one exact yard line on the sideline. And, like, the whole play, everybody would be on the opposite side of the field <laughs> watching the yeah. play because that's where the ball is, and he's on the opposite side of the field on the 30, <laughs> just standing by himself. Um. We went up to Akron, and we played McKinley in the regional championship. Mm-hmm. And before the game, they have, like, an auxiliary locker room, mm-hmm. which held, like, 10, 15 people. And it was sophomore year, and they asked, like, if any of us sophomores would want to go into the other locker room to, like, kind of create more space in the main locker room. And we're like, are you serious? Yes. <laughs> You're just going to put 15 of us unsupervised in another locker room where, like, you know, we don't... We don't. We weren't going into it hoping to mess around, but like, oh, we can kind of like yeah. let loose a little bit. Like we're sophomores, not playing. So we did that. We went in the other locker room, and one of the kids filled up one of the players' helmets with soap <laughs> from the <laughs> um, next to the next sink? to the sink. Yeah. yeah, just pumped a bunch of foam soap in his helmet, and he puts his helmet on and just. Like soap just comes <laughs> running down his face and everything. He was so mad. But we went back there next week to play Glenville, and he forced that kid to do it to him again. So he filled the helmet up with soap again and put uh-huh. it on his head again. Well, that Supersti- one didn't work. Superstitions. It didn't yeah. work, but superstitions. I mean, everybody has them. That's what you got to find. That you got to find the ones that work. Yeah. Um. I did, mine wasn't that big. I just like every single like pregame got ready the exact same way just you know it was always start with the right leg then the left leg you know socks girdle right leg pants. first huh yeah oh i'm a left left foot left leg guy first your left leg guy i think i'm more naturally just like a right leg i'm guy. definitely left foot first i'm right leg first right leg first right leg but left foot doing socks and shoes or left foot interesting um, it was it was right leg everything, and I think that just carried on so much. I have to like go back and think about it now, because that's just how I do everything at this point. Hmm. But it was always right everything, you know, get the pants, socks, everything on, and yeah. then the ankle braces, knee braces, all that good stuff, all mm-hmm. that all that fat boy stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that's about all I got out of there. Which I'm more than happy to just get out of here now. I was just fishing for anything to talk about. Oh, okay. So this hasn't carried on long enough. Yeah. Yeah. Might yeah. as well find some more content. Yeah. Might as well. More than two minutes outside a film room. For those of you that don't want to listen, listen to through the film, film segment. Room. Oh, I guess that would be weird if they skipped through it and then yeah. just end of the show. Yeah. Okay. Just five, yeah. You know, just give a little something, something for that. Fair enough. So. That is all we got tonight, right? Nothing else? 
in case we don't get an episode out next week on in time, or if we don't have an episode next week. Oh boy. It's Thanksgiving mm-hmm. next week. And oh. it's very important to all of you. I'm sure that you love your mothers and grandmothers and great grandmothers and great aunt nanas. But if you don't brine your turkey, it's going to taste like crap. I don't care what their recipe is. Brine your damn turkeys. It's not hard. And when you cut the breast, always cut it against the grain, which is the exact opposite of what you'll see on any advertisement. Well, Robert, can you tell us what brining a turkey means for those of us that don't know? Essentially, it's just salt water. You're soaking meat in salt water. And you I add in flavors and add in flavors and seasonings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's the salt that matters. The seasonings, yeah, it's just kind of there for looks. It might help the flavor a little bit, but it's mostly the salt. And how long should I brine it for? Overnight, twelve hours to up to twenty-four. Uh, I mean, you can you can't brine it too long, but yeah. overnight is usually fine. Okay. Um, do you have any recommendations for how you like to cook your turkey? How your I mean we've had turkey cook-offs over mm-hmm. the years you've cooked uh, you've made the turkey for your family a time or two what's your uh if you want to knock somebody's socks off how are you cooking your turkey uh I think it comes down to what you have at your disposal uh for a long time I was deep frying them uh if you have a deep frying setup for a turkey uh, it comes out really good. It's kind of expensive just because the oil alone is like 40, 50 bucks. And you can like reuse frying oil, but like when are you going to reuse the frying oil? Like that oh, every just, year I'd use it once. Just and bottle it up, save it for next Thanksgiving. I'd save it and then it just, you know, there's never another use for it. Um, but if you have that, if you like frying it, it is really good. Just make sure you don't put any sugar. Don't season your turkey with any sugar if you're going to fry it because it will turn black not dark black it will still taste fine it's not actually burnt just when you fry sugar it turns into a super black color uh, and it'll look like a cartoon turkey it'll <laughs> like look... the cartoon overcooked in the oven yes type it of will look fully black I mean not dark black it will still taste great but it looks horrible So don't put any sugar on it if you're going to deep fry it. If you're not going to do that, um, you can smoke it. I mean, if you have a smoker and you're willing to smoke a turkey, you probably know a decent amount about how to smoke things. And if so, this isn't anything new for you. But uh, whether you're smoking it or baking it, I'd recommend spatchcocking the turkey. Which is? Which is you, you cut the spine off. And then you basically press down on the sternum, and it pops it out so it lays flat. So all of the meat is up mm-hmm. on the top. It lays flat. It cooks in half the time. So you have less chance of drying it out. Um, it just saves you time. You don't have to get up early, or you don't have to cook it as long. It gives you more space in the oven or the smoker, whatever you're doing with it. Um, it's just going to taste better that way. Also, it's just going to retain juice more. 
Uh, so, I mean, I would recommend spatchcocking it. And to those of you that are saying, oh, well, I can't stuff my turkey if I do it that way, you shouldn't stuff a turkey anyway. It's not sanitary to stuff a turkey. You're not supposed to do that. For the rare few of you that say you stuff it with things only for cooking it, like Jim will stuff apples and onions and stuff into the turkey, but it's only there to help cook, add flavors while it's cooking. They don't eat it afterwards. So you're saying that... You should not stuff a turkey. That onion that was stuffed in the turkey shouldn't be eaten like an apple by one of your half-feral friends after it's done cooking? You can, but yeah. In general, stuffing a turkey is not sanitary. You shouldn't do it. It doesn't cook off the bacteria? Or so you have the... you have raw turkey juice on the inside of a turkey, mm-hmm. and when you're stuffing it, that's going to be the part that is the last part to come up to temperature. So you could have turkey juice in like stuffing in the breading, and it gets soaked in there, and it may never come up to temp. Oh. Um. Also, don't don't use the pop up things that come in the turkey. Mm-hmm. They're useless. They don't work. They will pop up, but do they pop up at the correct temperature? No. Don't use those. Use an actual digital thermometer. They're not very expensive. By the time you're listening to this, you can order one on Amazon and have it in plenty of time. You can get them for five, ten bucks, and they work amazingly. Get a digital thermometer. Um. Pull your turkey, you know, they say safety temperature for poultry, like 160, 165. Mm -hmm. It's going to keep climbing. You can pull it at 140, 145, and it will come up to temp. If you pull it at 165, not only did it take too long, but you dried it out. So pull it early. You can do some research on, like, when to pull it. I think, like, in that 140, 145 is a pretty safe range. When I used to fry my turkeys, I'd pull it earlier than that. It'd be like 135. But it had so much residual heat because it was in 400-degree oil. Yeah. It came up to temp. So do your own research if you want to be safe about temperature. But uh, use a digital thermometer. Don't rely on the stupid pop-up things on them. Also, they just melt and they get wax in your turkey. Yeah. The way those things work is it gets to a certain temperature and the wax melts inside of it. And when the wax melts, it pops. But that wax just goes into your turkey. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so that's it. If you're going to fry it, make sure it's completely defrosted. You should have a defrosted turkey no matter how you cook it. But if you throw a frozen turkey in the oven, it's just going to take a long-ass time. If you put a frozen turkey in a fryer, you're causing a fire. I mean, so make sure your turkey is defrosted if it's your only one and you're frying it. Don't defrost it if you want to make Thanksgiving more exciting. Yeah, I mean, insurances are out there for a reason. Yeah, you know, fire department, there's guys sitting around on Thanksgiving. I'm sure they're bored. Mm -hmm. They want to be home with their family. So give them something to do. You know, you are doing a public service to start a fire on the holiday. Yeah. If you are going to fry it, I'd recommend getting the turkey out of the brine and letting it sit in the fridge like all morning or even like throughout the night. And it sounds counterintuitive, but what you're doing is you are drying it out that way. But you're only drying out the skin. You're not drying out the meat. Because if you're frying it, you want to have the least amount of moisture possible. Water and oil don't go together, especially when it's 400 degrees. If you are frying it, 
try to pat off the birds so there's no excess moisture and have the flame off when you put it in there everybody wants to talk about how you put it in really slow so you don't have oil spill out and doesn't cause a fire well if you turn the flame off it there's can't no there's no chance to have a fire so even if it does spill over it can't catch on fire if the flame's off after you have it sitting in there you can turn the flame back on interesting so i think we should all take rob's you know advice little pointers here and there on turkey cooking because he has won two three turkey cook-offs he won the inaugural slobs giving turkey cook-off uh yeah you can go ahead and put that trophy right there front and center (laughs) um bit of a controversial you know competition inaugurally because i think it was uh, unanimous that jim's turkey had it been hot he would have won mm-hmm. well, but he had a cold smoked turkey well, it wasn't yeah and rob had a freshly fried one so i've won other years besides that though. yeah there was what and you... the last time jim won both jim and i agreed that mine was better but the other people liked his and you know the people spoke so are you two one and one there was a tie one year we don't count the tie the tie was that first year because jim uh, Jim says his oh, third dish dishes. beat my third dish, yeah. but it was a turkey cook-off. It wasn't a three-dish cook-off. But, That's true. Uh, Rules were amended to get rid yeah. of the scoring of the additional dishes. Mm-hmm. Important aspect, if you take one thing away from all of this, brine your turkey, but cut the turkey breast against the grain. If you don't know how to do that, ask me or look it up on Google, YouTube, you have to cut the entire breast off of the bird, mm-hmm. turn it sideways, and then cut it. If you cut slices off of the breast while it's still on the bird, you're cutting it the wrong direction. It's going to be really tough. So are you cutting it like almost like a slice of bread, to think about it like that? Like you cut the breast off, you lay it down flat, and then are you cutting it like a slice of bread, or are you coming yes. at it at an angle, or what? I mean, yeah, I guess like a, like a slice of bread. Um, you cut the entire breast off, turn it sideways... And cut slices that direction. It would be the exact opposite of... Even the number one brand of frying oil, like if you go to Walmart, at least in years past, it's turkey frying oil. It comes in a square container. And the box has a guy cutting turkey on it. Mm-hmm. And they're cutting it the wrong way. It's the old school, you know, cutting it at the table... Cutting slices off the side of the breast, and that's the wrong direction. Yeah, you know, sometimes... You have to do it the other way. Sometimes you just want to look good while cutting a bird, you know? Yeah. I like to compare it to if you had to cut a rope. That is a much better way than... Yeah. If you were to cut a rope, which you know is made up of a lot of strands, if you cut it long ways and I serve it to you, every time you take a bite, you have to cut through a bunch of... Um, I just said the word and I lost it already. You have to cut through all of those strands, strands of rope. Mm-hmm. If you cut the rope the other way, you are cutting off a hundred tiny pieces of rope. So it's like so the teeth. Rope. Yes, your teeth don't have to chop the rope because it's already chopped. Yeah, and that's the same way muscles work. There are a bunch of fibers and strands going in one direction, and if you cut it with them, the 
person still has to cut and bite and it seems really chewy and it seems really tough where if you cut it the other way it's already cut into small pieces for them already essentially Hmm. it's intact but the actual grain of it makes a big difference huge difference and that is uh, Turkey 101 with Rob Antonell, presented by Black Swarm Podcast. That's the one. Um, only follow-up question, what's your uh, favorite cut? My favorite cut of the bird? Well, there's only a couple options. No, favorite place to cut yourself. Yes, favorite cut of the bird. <laughs> um, I mean, favorite favorite piece of meat. Um, like, what? Okay, you are presented a freshly carved turkey. Yeah. What are you going for? On a bird that I cooked, I'm going to go for the breast. Oh, look at this. I, uh, I cook this bird so well. I want to taste all the seasonings. No, I like the breast on your average American's family turkey. The mm-hmm. legs are going to have more inherent juice in them, so it's a safer bet. Yeah. Um, The breast would dry out before the legs do. Got it. But so, if it's a uh, if it's a properly cooked bird, I I like the breast. Okay. Yeah, I'm taking a I'm taking a small piece of breast to see how they did, but I go for the drum every time. You gotta. Yeah. So, with that, is that all you got? Yeah, it's good enough. Good enough. If you have more questions, ask. <laughs> That's uh, at Antonell X Rob on Twitter. Hey, that is it. Yeah, yeah. or just Blackstorm. Yeah, or just at Blackstorm Pod, or Facebook, or our Gmail that we still have, or the YouTube comments. Actually, it pisses me off because we get guys commenting on that every few videos, and I always like when I see it when I get the notification, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, we'll mention this in the show, and then totally blank on it. Yeah. But I don't see the notifications for it unless I go on there and like look or try to upload stuff. It's only because it, so. it emails a notification too, so I like see that on my phone. Yeah, but yeah, we'll try and get better at uh, responding to those. But with that, go Tigers! Happy Thanksgiving, and be late. Be late.